Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. podcast of Grapple. I'm Beno. And I'm Jake P. I'm Gareth. And I'm Steph. Hey, full set. We did it, guys. We got the intro down. There we go. That's a set. time as well, isn't it? <laughs> Pace of pace. <laughs> well, it, it's G1 season. It's the most wonderful time of the year, JP. So, you know, we have to have the uh, the full set. So, Steph, we got you on again. Thanks for joining us as, uh, as normal. I can see you there and you're doing your uh, your best Dick Togo impression. Uh, how are you? All right? yeah. I'm good, thanks. I had a great evening dressing up as Dick Togo. <laughs> find pics on Instagram <laughs> and give it a like for the effort <laughs> but it's not a Google, it's not a Googleable term though is it? <laughs> is that a phrase Googleable? <laughs> no I find out that you can't Google Dick Togo Beret and expect <laughs> anything less than complete film <laughs> yeah. can I also say as well those hats don't look like they do anything really it seems like an absolute exercise in futility <laughs> you are a man who knows your hats JP I do, yeah. But that one, I mean, if I can just say it, like, it's a hat for the tip of your penis. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what happens when you put dip to go into Google. Maybe it's my age. I don't know. I don't see what the the use of that is. There we go. (laughs) Just throwing away money. And in a global pandemic, we do need to prioritise. And that shouldn't be anywhere close to the top of people's lists. Do you reckon Dick Togo's got one, like a little beret that he wears on? No, I reckon he doesn't. That's <laughs> very offensive. <laughs> I'd be surprised if he wears pants, to be honest. <laughs> Look, he's a very respectable, what is he, 51 years old, Dick, Dick Togo? He's a, he's a very respectable yeah. man. You never know, it's would stop some stains on his white trousers. <laughs> <laughs> that is a look. If I know and this would be like, let's drag Dick Togo, I would not have come on. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind it when it's Jay White, but this is too <laughs> way too far. Be the uh, the Dick Togo defense squad stuff then. You like his you like his biggest fan at the moment. What's uh, what's Dick Togo got going? That's uh, that's so good. I, just, I don't like him saying just, Dick Togo. He's enjoyable. He's stylish. Um, I kind of wish he'd swap with Gato because I think Dick Togo and Jay White would be a great team. Mm. <laughs> And I think he's going to make G1 more enjoyable. He'll certainly make Evil's matches more enjoyable, for sure. 
maybe by his presence, not so much by like the five minute interference spots. But you know, his beret and his white pants do do add something to the occasion. Gonna gonna hold you to that comment in about two weeks' time. Like when when he's been interfering in every single match. That's a, uh, maybe in forty-five minutes' time, to be honest, because uh, yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got thoughts on oh. that one. Uh, but uh, how, how are you guys anyway? All good? How's uh, how's things at Grapple Towers, Gareth? Uh, noticed in the uh, fancy football, mate. You're not doing, you're doing okay, but you know, you're not, uh, you're not quite in the in the lofty heights with uh, with me and the Agdi Ogdens of the world. But you know, you're doing all right. Just throwing it in there. Yeah, just so just sneaking up there. Good, good little week again. Just uh, made back a couple of points on you. Just, just keep chipping away. Don't you worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the the live points here. JP, you're doing a lot better in the uh, in the G1 Pickums. Uh, I think you're like, yeah. you joined third, aren't you? In the the voices of wrestling Pickums, I'm fucking nowhere in the, I am. in the other ones. But, yeah, you know, fancy football right mm-hmm. now. Oh, go on. Much happier to talk about the Pickums than I am the fantasy football. It was like everything that could go wrong, kind of, not everything went wrong, but I had Martinez on the bench mm. and I picked Alex McCarthy instead. That was a mistake. Um, Mikel Antonio, I had confidence in Arsenal playing one. Well, they were terrible, but somehow won. And he scored. And yeah, it's the old uh, Obama Yang as captain. Didn't what really did pay say? off. What- Nah, all right with you and your fucking hammers, Rodriguez. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Literally down the road, you might as well shout across him. Twenty points, lad. Cheers, mate. Like, oh, did you, when did he's you, next playing? Do you see that clip of like the Everton fans who went up to him in the street and gave him like a bottle of Echo Falls or something like that they bought from the local office? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they stopped his car in traffic, like to welcome him to the air, which is really annoying. Because <laughs> after the match, I was dri- I was driving round. I think I was going to I was going to Greg's, in fact, because uh, I missed out on going for the G one. <laughs> Not like, not like you. I know, I know. Shocking. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I was going for a coffee, JP. That's all. I may be a sausage roll as well. Uh, but I was thinking that, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll drive past them. I missed out. I could have given him like a Greg's coffee and a, you know, a nice little sausage roll, a yum yum. Be better than a bottle of Echo Falls. <laughs> yum yum. <laughs> I love the yum yums. Come on, step back me up. You're a yum yum fan. Yeah, I like the yum yums as well. I always think I should only buy one, but then it's like two for a pound, isn't there, or something? Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every time they get you with that. I had my um, two Greg's chicken bakes during the first morning of the G1, but I cooked them at home so I didn't have to leave the house. And yeah, G and G stands for Greg's. <laughs> Get that up going, Gareth. Greggle. Greggle, indeed. <laughs> you, but you missed out on the chat you can have in the queue about the G1 up to that point. You could have had a good, ch- you know, you'd have been talking about the first match, the Young Lions match. Then I would have walked in and go, Jesus, that Yota Suji's doing well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need to get down, to be honest. Like, it's because it's early days in the G1. Like, I got up nine o'clock for that one Saturday morning and I just wasn't prepared for like the six match card. I, didn't, I wasn't sure if there was going to be an intermission. I just didn't plan it very well. And then Sunday, it was six in the morning. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're on to something, Steph, there. Order the Gregs in ahead of time. Oh, oh yeah, just yeah. Cook, cook it from frozen. From it's not as good though when you cook it from frozen. I don't think it's uh, it's quite the same. No, at least it's always warm though. Because sometimes, like I'll say to them, give me a warm chicken bake, and it's not what I would call warm <laughs> when I get it. And <laughs> but also, I managed to time my chicken bake perfectly for Jay's match starting. So that <laughs> that was what I was working on. <laughs> oh, by the way, while we're talking food, and you're talking food specifically, Steph. Yeah. Bought those chicken Kiefs from Iceland. Oh, uh-huh. um, this is a callback. Yeah. I love it. They're all right. Yeah, they're all right. Like, 
it is a callback. This is something that you reward those longer term <laughs> listeners. Um, but yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. And the queue wasn't too bad as well, because I was fearing it walking in, um, mm. given the state of the one in Oxford. But I, I went in, I thought yeah, the chicken was okay. Like, the, it was surprisingly, the garlic was surprisingly decent, yeah. I would say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bit of broccoli and some new potatoes, you know. It was rock and roll night here, Then <laughs> I had those. I love it. I've been to Iceland in ages, to be honest. I've become, like, in lockdown, I became an Aldi guy and I've not turned back. And I've got a couple of the beers here. We've all got a, a couple of drinks on the go for the show tonight that they were bought in Aldi. It's where I get all my food now. Yeah, I think I've uh, I've crossed over now. I'm not a. I'm actually I'm looking at um, moving to like the other side of Liverpool. Sadly, so I won't be living in the uh, the Goodison area anymore. But first thing I did double check it. What's the closest Aldi? And if not, what's the closest Lidl? And there is a Lidl. It's it's not far from my work. It's like a a ten minute walk away. So. I think I'm gonna surprise, gonna survive, but I will miss uh, having a, a local Aldi closer to me. It's such a shame that we didn't know each other like 20 years ago when I worked at Iceland head office. I had that discount card there for working at oh, for working at Iceland. You, really? you two could have been absolutely hammering it. Oh yeah, could have been saving a fortune. You could have also there. been giving him Everton tickets when you weren't there as well, didn't you? Very, I mean, very, very it's true. Like... <laughs> he's missed out on all of this. All these lost opportunities, you see. Oh. Tony would bump into each other in the uh, in the Berkey soon. <laughs> what, what are you going to do about that supermarket that's on the county road near you? What's the name of it again? Oh, uh, which one? Um, Heron Foods. Heron Food. Heroin Foods. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'll find an equivalent uh, where I'm moving to, but it won't be the same, JP. I know you'll be good at that. I don't like, live in the in your favourite area, Kirkdale, anymore. And like, I was telling me, like, God's country. When I told me dad I was thinking of moving, like, he, he, he dropped on me, and I've never known this before. My street, three doors away from me, there's a house that Everton owned. And when they used to sign players in like the sixties and seventies, they put them up there for like the first couple of months of them living in the area. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, and you've seen my street JP, so that's fucking that's a different world compared to these days where the footballers live now. You say that. What a reality show. (laughs) James Rodriguez comes over (laughs) and he's like, All right, yeah, moving to Liverpool. You're living here. And you're like, honestly, if we got it, you could show him Brookside close and he would kill to live in it. Kind of like Mandy Jordash, but like it would be like honestly to God, like that would be hilarious. Him having to live on that street, him having to run that gauntlet on the way to that corner offy where Dixie Dean is, and what looks to be the shiftiest social, uh, was it working men's club that I've mm. seen? It'll be like Impact Wrestling Wrestle House. Mm. That I've been waiting to get you two on here together. To, to oh. when, I, when I wasn't here the other week, and you were given Impact Wrestling loads. Oh, oh yeah, go on, Gareth, get your revenge, mate. You were fuming at him. Oh, I. Eric Young, Eddie Edwards was that good, was it? Uh, I t- I t- you, you look at those ratings on that app. The, 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 the Impact Wrestling. There's a match every week that's better than the Champion Carnival. It's better than the M1. There's better matches than we've seen in the G1. There. Wow. You want your Motor City Machine Guns? You want your uh, Jordan Grace and uh, Diana Perazzo? Check out those ratings. Three seven three point seven five heaven. You need to be uh, yeah. outrageous. Those slurs on uh, just jumping on the Wrestle House. There's some great stuff on Impact. It's true, is it? You know, but you have to get through so much shit. Yeah, <laughs> that, is. That, is, that is true. But ah, <laughs> uh, Katie Forbes, Steph, discuss. <laughs> I think I said enough about Katie Forbes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot to get she's, through. 
She's not stopped appearing. If anything, I think they've increased the time on her. Wow. Ten, generally, the opening of a show, which, you know, TNA is going to TNA, isn't it? It's like, it's learned nothing from sports entertainment extreme. By the way, can I just a little update on the round table series for TNA? Oh, go on. We'll be doing another. Hopefully, going to do a, a, a special round table for it. But the TNA one has to be explored with the kind of depth it deserves. I mean, I don't know if you're all aware that June is being adapted, but they're only doing half the book because you can't really do justice to Frank Herbert's sort of science fiction masterpiece. Much in the same way with TNA, a one-off roundtable covering it once is one thing. You've got to go deep on those early years, um, particularly like when they were getting ripped, you know, when they were being lied to about the pay-per-view buy rates. Yeah, I read that Jerry Jarrett book. (laughs) That's time I'm not getting back. <laughs> See, the thing is, though, mate, it all pays off. It was worthwhile putting that research in. Right. You know? Nothing involving TNA has ever really paid off. <laughs> it's, always, it's always felt like I may well have claimed back some time that I could really do with again. Get your, <laughs> is Jerry Jarrett alive? You can get him on. Or did he die? I can't remember. Oh, he's alive. There yeah, he's alive. Get him on the round table. Know. You have to double check the rest of them. But like you know, you, he could be on. You get Gareth on for the modern impact fan. You know, it's a it's good. Don West, Don West would be awesome. <laughs> right, to be well up. I reckon Don West would be cutting loose. Get him to have a couple of beers while he's doing it as well. Go on, Don. <laughs> <laughs> we kill for a Don West style commentator now, wouldn't we? In a lot of promotions, fucking hell. Oh yeah, he's the. I heard someone say that on Twitter. He's like literally. He's the voice. You think of memories of TNA. It's Don West screaming in your ear, isn't it? That's the. That's the overriding like thing. Like never matter. Like I know. I saw that. I got the. Uh, not bragging here, but I got the Observer Hall of Fame ballot this week, and you know, there's a uh, there's comment. Tony Schiavone's on it. Mike today's on it. Um, but no, Don West. I feel. I feel like he's uh, he's earned a spot there. He should be. Uh, should be there with the lads. Where's Jeff? <laughs> he's in his own Hall if of Fame. We- mate. There you go. There's a question. Someone who has worked across all of these promotions has had an impact in the industry. Not pardoning the pun. (laughs) Not saying it's a good impact necessarily, Mm. but like there is as much a case for him in some bizarre way than there is on others. Whether or not he's a game changer. Well, he will be when he's running WWE. (laughs) When like Allah, like, you know, he'll be, he's like a kind of canny little finger. He doesn't overstretch himself. So he's just waiting for the kind of chaos to kind of unravel around him and he'll be taken over. <laughs> That's <laughs> Sorry, right. I'm on one again this week. <laughs> I'm telling you, JP, the, the, the real podcast idea is the world according to Jeff Jarrett. Just think, just think of all the, all the times and promotions and matches he's taken in. That's, that's where there's a license to print money. Patreon. There yeah, we we've spoken about yeah, that's that's yeah. The <laughs> lifetimes of Jeff Jarrett <laughs> as a Forrest Gump style figure. There you go. Wrestling world. <laughs> There's money in that. Um but yeah, as we were uh, saying earlier, we were t- talking about uh, the fancy football and that we'll talk about our, our G1 pickums and the like uh, later on when we get into that. Um, I'll just throw in, lads, I am fourth in the fancy football, by the way, just throwing it in, um, you know, in the live. Andy Ogden was top last week and we didn't give him his credit. He's dropped down a little bit this week. Poor Stephen Louch is still rock bottom, but, you know, there's still uh, still plenty to play for there. And uh, we can all redeem ourselves in our, uh, in our G1 pickums. God, you've dropped like a fucking stone, haven't you, JP? I'm just looking at the league table now. Yeah. Have one bad week, all right? Let's not fucking overreact. 
<laughs> Look, man, you should. It's tr- see, I made the mistake of trusting Everton, but trusting Arsenal, JP, come on. They won. <laughs> like they were awful. It was a terrible game, and I was quite angry. And when they won, I was like, "Well, that felt like robbery." And against <laughs> West Ham, because I never buy into that East End bullshit that they always talk about as well. Sorry, there's a latest group of people to try and offend this week <laughs> for you, Joe. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's. It, we don't have yeah. a video version to just let everyone know. JP pointed yeah, to the sky when he said that. Bears piss off. <laughs> Absolutely piss off. You agree, Steph. You've been there long enough. Yeah. Dundee Arms used to be like that before it got massively gentrified. It was a proper spit and sawdust geezer pub. Because when we saw Tanahashi there in, I want to say, 2014, mm. went in there with Joe and, uh, Joe and his brother, Sam, and I was like, it was like, what the fuck is it? They had boxing on the telly. He's like, yo, what's the wrestling on you? And I, was, I don't know why he was talking like that. I'm from London as well, and I don't have any kind of accent like that. Uh, I digress. Oh, Tanahashi wasn't in the Dundee Arms. He wasn't, no. I thought you said when no. we were in the Dundee Arms and we saw Tanahashi, I was thinking, oh, fucking hell, I've never heard this No, story. we saw, um, <laughs> it was your man off WrestleTalk, Patrick, journalist. Oh, Lennon. It was on WrestleTalk TV, Patrick Lennon. And he was, he's nice, but I met me then again at the ITV World of Sport taping, for which I'm very glad that pos- podcast died before it ever came out, because that was our credibility fucking blown in one night. <laughs> but gave, yeah, the game it was all free beer, so me and him had a, we had a bit of a session in the afternoon. Absolutely <laughs> fucked. I don't know, JP. I don't know if you can recover your Tanahashi story with Patrick Lennon, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> not quite at the same level, but, you know. I, what I'd give to, I don't know, a pint with Tanner, that'd be... It'd feel wrong. I feel like... What do you think he drinks? Does he drink? If he drank, I could see him being like a whiskey or a short kind of guy. I can't see him knocking beers, but... Yeah, it's not with Not with that good shape he's in at his age. He's not drinking pints. That's I true. imagine he was drinking shit like Carling, though. And he talks about <laughs> it. Like, you'd be like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> like, just the bit where he falls down. Forex? No, Tanner. Craft here, mate. Fuck's sake, you're an adult. Grow up. <laughs> you keep around. I'm sorry. This is going. You're wandering into dubious territory. If he's asking for like Newcastle Brown Owl. <laughs> Good accent, though. I think problematic. <laughs> Pulled myself, but yeah. Go back to Well, there you go. There's a yeah. visual. There's a visual for everybody. Yeah, Tanahashi in a in a London pub. Um, I mean, before we get into the do one, is everyone handling lockdown vi- version two? Uh, is everyone okay? Ready to uh, head into lockdown? How's things down there with you, Steph? Um, <laughs> I'm not okay after going to a shopping centre yesterday mm. out of necessity and seeing how many people were there, and even if they were wearing masks, they were all just on top of each other. It was awful. Mm. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm prepared for lockdown too honestly I, I never felt lockdown one was over so it's <laughs> just it's normal I still haven't been out to pub or anything still like desperately waiting on the right occasion mm. but um, it's crazy though it's like it's my birthday in November and I honestly had thought this would all be over by then <laughs> like long over and no <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. We're all talking like, oh, you know, come the end of the year. Oh, you know, come next year. Oh, you know, next summer. He'll be fine. It'll be back to normal. In the meantime, yeah, we're, we're, we're allegedly locked down again, Gareth, I think. I don't know. It's the Northwest in general, isn't it? But like Liverpool's like the... But, but I think I think we can't go visit our relatives, but we can go to the pub. I think that's the rule. I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you, you can't, can't visit them. But if, if you just agree to go to the same pub on the same night and 
book a table that's next to the table that they're on. It's all good, but you can't <laughs> go around the house. You know, you can go go to the pub and mix with uh, mix with them and a range of other people, kind of thing. And that's that's fine. So um, yeah, just just do that. There's a, there's ways around it all. <laughs> it's our fault ultimately and it's kind of your fault because it's not like the government told us at any point to go out and spend money and kind of get things moving you know mm-hmm. it's not like they said that it's not like you know they're they're hypocritical in any way shape or form because i mean i think in some ways you don't want to see your family but you do need the family when if you're going to go and have a drive to check your eyes i mean for that you need the family there for it so i mean it's just all about priority i think you two are making a mountain out of a molehill <laughs> well, you know, JP. Like, apparently, we we can't we can't meet our family, but you know, future start wrestling at the show this weekend. That's fine. You know, there's, there's that. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've seen a lot of people on Twitter get angry about that, and I think it's just been beaten out to me. You know, I just I just don't care anymore. <laughs> like, I wish I, I wish <laughs> I wish I could like get angry about like wrestling shows running in a pandemic. And um, yeah, it's not the ideal that they've got. I don't know. I don't even know how many people you can get in the Stockport Guildhall, but it was probably fifty to a hundred. They probably shouldn't have ran, but I don't know. I mean, I've seen this. I've seen pubs that busy. I've seen. I've been through Liverpool mm. City Centre and seen it. You know, worse than that. Um, I don't know. I suppose things are changing, and the northwest is locking down, and we're all in danger of a second lockdown. But yeah, I think like the the spirit in me's been broken to even care that much. Like everything's just so fucked, and there's just yeah, no real clear idea of what we're even supposed to do at this point. And it's just I've just got no no faith even that the information that we're given is the correct information of like shit that we're supposed to be doing either sort of thing because obviously mm. they're they're so vague about everything and they just go back on what they're telling you one week to the next and things that it's supposed to be like all right well this is the situation now this week this is what we're supposed to believe this week is it kind of thing and who's to say it's not going to change completely next week again and stuff like so it's I think I think if because you haven't had that like consistent message and approach mm. and they haven't sort of almost been like confident in what they've been saying then like then why, I don't know, like, why yeah. should you have faith that what they're telling you is the is the correct thing to be doing? Like, my, my wife keeps going on at me about how, like, Sweden, obviously, have taken, like, a totally different approach to it, and they were getting panned at first, and now their, like, rates are lower than everybody's and stuff. So when you've got, like, different countries all taking different approaches as well and things, you just, like, I don't know, who do you believe? Like, you just, it's just, like, fucking stumble through it, isn't it, kind of thing, and just hope for the best. <laughs> That's the way I feel, kind of thing, at the minute. I don't bother like watching or reading the news anymore because frankly my life is not going to change <laughs> whether we're locked down or not so mm. <laughs> don't even bother keeping up to date anymore because it's different every day <laughs> also I partially blame you for everything Benno because it's oh. you that alerted me to the eat out to help out um, scheme mm. alerted more of the listeners so it's probably all of us going out to take advantage of that uh, that has led us to a second lockdown. <laughs> yeah, I did advertise it at the start, to be honest. So yeah, you can blame me with the Tories. You know, I, to be honest though, like if, I, if I'm looking, if I'm looking for news, I, I'm following the Ogden boys at this point. They went to Future Shop. They were fine. They wore the masks. <laughs> they went to the pub. They got the temperatures checked. They weren't asked. So you know, I'll just follow them. Still, JP. still planning to come down to Oxford as well. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <coughs> for a, oh, I'm for a careful. You okay? Hello. No, I'm riddled with COVID, like. <laughs> and and AIDS for good measure, as well. Um, I do. Um, but <laughs> yeah, they're still planning to come down. Well, we did 9/11 last week, JP. So why don't we do AIDS this oh, week? Oh, look, we're in lock. Look, just let's all cut loose. All right. Let's just say. Let's just say it there. I I think with it, I think we can lock. 
No, I'm not even going to say it there. You might want to cut that little bit out. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck off. Come on, bring back Joe. There'd be, a, there'd be a great little Mark Fowler bit here now if uh, if, uh, if Joe was still here. <laughs> I think we can laugh at AIDS. That's all. That's, that's where I ultimately stand on it. There you go, everyone. Quote JP. Yeah. Wow. Magic, Magic Johnson can. He's doing brilliant. I was a fucking kid when he got that. Fuck Jesus, up. my eldest is 16 next month. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. Sounds like, I'm, like I want something bad to happen to him. I don't. I'm a fan of that Lakers side. There you go. I, I, thought, I thought the title of the show was going to be Dick Togo, but now it's just going to be AIDS is all right, isn't it? You can laugh at AIDS. That'll work. Can we? I still think go with Dick to go. We'll work, we'll work in background again as well. Yeah, I'll just have to work on those images, to be honest, based on Steph's Google search. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, before we get ourselves in more trouble, should we talk some G1? <laughs> Let's do that. Let's talk some G1, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we're going to be doing some coverage uh, as the weeks go on of this G1 stuff. This was probably a, a, an easy intro, I think, to the, uh, to the G1 season. There's only the two shows to talk about today. Uh, by the time this goes out, we're still... Oh, go on. What's, what's, what's going on? What's NXT that? UK started, Ben. <laughs> oh, sorry, it's that the story. <laughs> Our brand is back. Like, <laughs> well, we start with the G1. <laughs> oh. I, I feel like that should be our lead story, to be honest. Yeah, the NXT UK is back. Apparently, there was a Gnome Dar match that was good, apparently. I don't know. I, I don't know much about it. You, if you want to take it away, Gareth, go for it. No, let's start with the G1. <laughs> 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 fucking hell yeah if you want that uh, British Wrestling Experience end of the month everyone you can uh, you can listen to uh, <laughs> me being forced through critic teeth to uh, me and Martin being forced to review that but, uh, I the... expect all the weeks of the episodes to be covered by you by the way not just one fuck me yeah we'll see mate we'll see um... in, in depth I want match analysis <laughs> Well, well I, I do remember a time when I had a free ticket to come and see uh, New Japan Royal Quest and you didn't come. And then I had a free ticket to come and see an NXT UK <laughs> TV taping and you did come. So I think we know where your priorities lie. <laughs> I mean, one was down the road from the house. But <laughs> I, do, I do regret that though to this day. That, that's the thing, like being in lockdown now, it's like, oh, like it was probably stupid in March and, and February. Me, I think I went to London for that uh, pro show where all of us uh, met up. I went to uh, Bratislava with my mates and I went to Germany for WXW. But, you know, probably not a, br- a bright idea on the eve of, pa- of a pandemic, but it was the highlight of my year. So I'm glad I did it. And yeah, my biggest my biggest regret over this last year or so is definitely not going to Royal Quest considering we're, uh, we're not going to get another one now. But, you know, Gareth, we got to go, got to see it, go see XT UK, got to see fucking Joe Coffey build his match with Pete Dunne in his lovely jacket. And also, <laughs> what you leave it out of that story is you've also had tickets to day two and we just didn't bother going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But you know, we have that. <laughs> uh, sorry, I've, I've, I've derailed your G1 introduction. Sorry, go on. That's okay. It's not it's not the A story, but yeah, G1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also this weekend as, as well as uh, as NXT UK happened last week. Yeah, there was the little matter of the G1. Uh but yeah, we've uh, we're starting off with uh, with only two days to review, but I would say it was uh, it was definitely a strong opening weekend from surprisingly both the A block and the B block. Uh, I thought the crowd was uh, particularly good over the the two nights. I think it was probably, and I've heard a couple of people say it now, the the best 
you know, clapping crowd that we've had from a from a U Japan show to the point where it did feel, especially on day one, where I, I just thought the atmosphere felt pretty much as close to normal as we've got. Um, there were even bits where you could tell, you know, maybe the 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 match had uh, pulled a uh, a little bit of a more of a, a vocal reaction out of the the Japanese crowd as well, which uh, I enjoyed. Uh, but yeah, thought it was a a great opening weekend, and yeah, Steph, it's uh, it's great to have the uh, the G one back. And have you got any uh, overall thoughts on uh, on the weekend in general? It was great to have the G one back. It was so enjoyable to watch it. Not happy about how early it was on a Sunday. Oh, though man. the six a.m. start was not not good i honestly woke up at 10 to 7 having slept through three alarms <laughs> and yeah. uh, i sure will get to it but the first thing i saw was juice robinson so i had no clue what was going on or who was wrestling <laughs> i turned it on it's like a bad dream yeah you're you're in the same school as me where it probably it'd be easier for me to just stay up right through and yeah. watch it like at six in the morning as if it's the night before rather than get up yeah and i was the same i got up about 20 past half past eight or something and caught like the end and kind of watched it in a daze and had to ended up having to rewatch it again uh last night to uh, actually put my grapple ratings into the app uh but no it's it's still fun it being back live and it's still fun seeing like the uh the people going and, and gareth's probably sneering at us because uh if you are you gonna do this whole tournament live gareth is that the plan you're gonna watch everything might as well. I'm I'm working from home, so it's just gonna be it's just gonna be on sort of thing. So mm. why not? Why not try and keep it updated? It just depends. Like I haven't checked to see how many more like six o'clock starts there are and things at the tournament. I'm guessing that probably like midweek ones are gonna be like a tad later. So, you know, mm. if that's that's the case, then like fair enough. As long as I'm only having to do like one six AM start a week, that'll that'll do for me. But the show length was good as well, wasn't it? Just having yeah. like the um just having like the six matches, you kinda just felt like, you know, it was, um, I don't know, a nice easy watch kind of thing, really, having to, rather than fa- having to fight your way through all the uh, six-man tags and things like that beforehand and stuff, just sort of like getting getting to the point quite quick. It was it was good. Mm. Does anyone miss those six-man tags? No. 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 Like, can't... it's an amazing, it, it's one of the things, if they're going to take from it, mm. that actually you can give more time to your actual G1 matches. You don't burn out the crowd. The crowd seemed perfectly happy with two and a half hours I was up because, as I've explained many times on this show, I'm kind of broken. I don't know if Gareth's at that point as well, where you're broken to getting up early in the morning. So being up at 25 past six on a Sunday kind of happens on the reg, which is a terrifying thought. (laughs) But it's like I quite like it because I like what I like about G1 as well. In particular, normally in the summer, it's great is you have the rest of the day to yourself. Mm. So like. You can enjoy it. And then if you want to go back and watch stuff, you can just do that in the evening or onto the next day. It's it, it's really nice. But yeah, like you said earlier on, I think they didn't have the clapping machines. Yeah. I think, this is the first... I think they realized that didn't work and they took I, them away. And my God, they made up for it because I've actually got some points about the kind of clapping and the way it was used at certain times in certain matches. It was... The first time where I think genuinely in this entire era, I was able to switch off at points mm. and didn't feel like I was watching COVID era wrestling. Um, it had genuine emotion. And I think like when you say about the clapping machine, it just proves you cannot replicate that live experience of people's people's reactions, even if it's somewhat muted and not being able to shout as well. I did think about like the attendance and it did look like, especially on the floor, like they were kind of packed in. Look busier than yeah. it did. 
it didn't look like, whereas if you could look up in the tiers every once in a while, you could see that was much more emptier. But apparently, it was, was it 2,500 both nights? Oh, was that the number? Oh, I'm not sure. That sounds I, right, though, considering how busy it looked. Like, there you go. This, which, was, which, this was moaning about Future Shack and, you know, New Japan are packing them in. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you consider that the Eddie on Arena is about 5,500. Wow. So you're talking near enough 50% capacity, mm. which you wonder if they can get a deal on some of these arenas at this particular point in time just to have them used. If they're used by, like, I don't know, municipal authorities. Mm. I'll say that again, another Patreon podcast, JP discusses uh, municipal auditoriums around J- Japanese prefectures. <laughs> another story for another time. But, like, it's still, I was still wondering, okay, is this show kind of still profitable? Mm. Because then you also think as well that the gaijin they've got in are the ones they really kind of want. And people like Farley aren't considered necessary for this. Although I kind of expect them to make a, an appearance by the time they get round to, is it Budokan they're in again for the final? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I kind of expect them to all kind of make an appearance then. But it, it just made me think. I mean, because it did kind of add to it. Given the news that we've spoken about and that it's kind of global, it's hard to wonder how much longer this sort of stuff is going to be able to run. Mm-hmm. Um like, are oh, they going to be able to run at that? But if you think of it, the like overall feeling from it, and is that I kind of went in thinking, I hope this is good, and I came out overall feeling much better. Even though, in terms of as we're going to get into the killer matches, it's not like it's full of like four star plus matches, but generally good solid cards mm-hmm. with nothing that was absolutely horrific. And you're thinking, yeah compared to a lot of stuff, like, that made for a couple of fun shows. Definitely, definitely. Well, let's get into it then. Let's uh, kick off with the A block. And, you know, I can't say I'm going to be watching all of these young boys. I mean, you you take away the tags. We we say the tags aren't missing, but did any of us actually watch those undercard tags anyway when it got deep into G1 season? Uh, I think I'm going to do the same with these these young boy matches, but I don't know. I've got to go to you, JP. I think you'll be the the young boy correspondent for uh, for this G1. Uh, Before we did get into the uh, the A-block action on day one, we did get Yu Yamura and uh, Yotasuji. They went seven minutes. On grapple, it's a 2.88 average. Uh... 2.8 2.8 average, sorry. I gave it the gentleman's 2.75. Uh, I don't know. It's, I reckon I'll watch this one. I'll watch the match on night two. I can't see sticking with it, but I don't know. JP, sell me on it. Why uh, Why should we be watching these young boy matches uh, deep into the G1? Because if it's going the way that it might go, that, I mean, I'm assuming at some point they're going to have the three of them up against three of the veterans mm. on other parts of the tour. But for these matches, like, A it was in front of crowds that were genuinely enthused to see them. Mm. I think if you're following the Young Lions story, you can see, for example, Gabriel Kidd has kind of really thicked out. And if you think of it, he's like having to entirely retrain and he's probably much more, he's so much more recognisable than he ever has been as a wrestler before. And he's at the bottom rung in this company. But you've kind of got this three-way inter kind of young boy feud with mm. kids sort of representing the LA dojo while simultaneously being part of the New Japan dojo as well. Suji has got himself into much better shape. And his he really has. And he's got he's got a charisma about him. And Yamura is probably like the better kind of like what you think of as prototypical wrestler. But Suji for me seems like someone who can genuinely get the crowds involved. 
I'm not talking about him, especially in Tanahashi Naito as well, in a weird way. Because his involvement at ringside, banging that mat, kind of really helped add something to the match as well. And I don't know if that's him off the cuff doing that. If that is, that's a remarkable piece of improvisation that he could well get a bollocking over. But these <laughs> matches are interesting because there's always like a three-star limit because they're designed to be limited. And I think if you're getting a three-star Young Lion match, you're doing quite well. But all of all of them are good. I mean, if you put these matches in the Champions Carnival, they would be holding up at the much more favourable end of those. Mm. And these are matches that are kind of designed to really just sort of pad out the early stages of their careers. And the fact that they're doing it, and you can see them getting better and better. They are getting better and better at working with each other. I think the interesting thing when it comes to these guys are, what do you do about excursions? Because excursions aren't necessarily going to be there. And I also think as well, it wouldn't surprise me to see um, Oka and Umino or one or both of them make some sort of appearance but by like by the time we hit like the G1 final. It wouldn't surprise me at all because they're both back in the country. And I think because this is the next stage of them, but all of them are heavyweights mm. as well rather than juniors, I think there's a kind of interesting element for that as well and what they could add. I could see someone like Yota Suji being like, if you had him in like a kind of Hoss tag team, first of all, I think he could really get some value. And when I say value, we're talking five, six years down the road before we see it. But I love that long-term storytelling. Mm. It's like watching, you know, characters develop in season one through to season eight. And we're only in season one with these guys. And they've got more about them, particularly, I would say, Suji. And I'm going to be biased in terms of Gabriel Kidd as well, mm. who, like, again, all the credit in the world, like, staying out there has proven to be, in terms of career decisions, like, one of the best ones. And, like, he's bulking up seriously as well. Wouldn't surprise me if he's gone and learnt Japanese, because he seems to have really sort of... I've, he does these blogs, and he really seems to be kind of enjoying life in Tokyo. Good luck to him. <laughs> What star rate did you give it, JP? Uh, I went 2.75. Because I thought it was a good young boy match. Bad young boy matches are like two stars. Oh, okay. That's two, and a half, two and a half, pretty good. Three stars, that's a cracking young lion match. Gareth, maybe you can get on some young lion stats. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Put you on the spot there, There's Gareth. a project. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the average for that uh, Suji Yamura match was like two point eight, and I think that's probably about right. You know, it, it was at the, it was at the, uh, it was probably at the upper end of what you'd expect from a young boys match. I've seen some people getting, I think they were getting a bit excited with it being G one season and going three and a half and maybe slightly more and things like that, pulling it up and just, uh, but uh, going going a little bit overboard. But you know, I think the average there, averaging out at two point eight, and you know, from watching it myself, I just the same as you, like. Yota Suji there, he just looked fucking massive. What a beast he looked, what shape he's got himself in. And I was just like the same, just like looking at him, thinking that charisma that he's got and just like definitely see some some mileage in him. And, you know, he certainly looks like someone who's got a... uh, got a career ahead of him and just sort of echo your points about Gabriel Kidd as well like because in that match I know we're jumping around because you mentioned Gabriel Kidd and it's the second you know the second day that he had that match but again that's like averaging out at 2.88 and just the way he just connects with the crowd and his engagement with the crowd and I think there's like real visible effort in every small aspect of everything that he's doing whether it's you know is selling or whether it's um you know when he's actually 
you know, you know, pulling faces to the crowd and things, trying to get them on board and things. You can just see the development that that guy's had in the the time that he's he's been able to get on these cards during like COVID from being over there and the exposure that he's had to working with all these different wrestlers as well. And you know, I think uh, I think across those two days, you know, when you've got young boys matches averaging out close to three off several hundred people, I think it's you know it's a real real good sign really from from um you know from what we've seen. Definitely, yeah. I think the only thing going against it is the fact that, like you said, JP, it's the it's the fact that it's just going to be the three of them mixing it up, you know, over the the coming weeks, and you kind of would like to see like other people in the mix. Uh, I don't know, Steph. Did you have any thoughts on that one? Do you have a do you have a favorite young boy of the current crop, or uh, uh, you're skipping these matches? Yeah, I'd say that Gabriel's my favorite young boy just to support him. But honestly, I think I was probably in the shower during this match. Months. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just for the young boys, JP, that's a t-shirt. We'll make it for you. Uh... <laughs> young lions, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see we'll see how this uh, this interest keeps up as the uh, the the coming weeks go. But yeah, two like you said, two point seven five, I think we we kind of agree on is uh, is reasonable for uh, for a young boy match. Uh, and a, a two point eight average as Gareth said on uh, on grapple, but we got started with the uh, with the proper stuff, uh, with the first match in the A block. Yujiro against Will Ospreay. Um, I'll tell you what, like, I probably overrated the first. I actually went back on it and amended my grapple rating because it was like, <laughs> I think I was so impressed with the job Osprey did basically wrestling himself. Like, I think I gave it 3.75 originally and then rescinded that and made it a three and a half. Felt it. I was kind of thinking, you know what? There's a long G1 coming here. There's going to be better matches than this that are 3.75s. <laughs> but I still stand by my three and a half. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, the grapple average is 3.05. So maybe uh, people are a little bit lower than me on it but yeah i thought it was uh osprey was you know there was the obviously the big reaction for him coming out there's the promo afterwards that we can uh we can talk about it a bit but as far as the work in the match you know i've have seen people credit yujiro and say you know he he put a shift in or oh, we'd like to see this yujiro uh, every match you know why you don't see this yujiro every match because he's not in there with osprey uh, and whatever you think of osprey um he was in there with his working boots on uh, and i feel like he he dragged yujiro to, to something very serviceable um but yeah uh all, all in all i enjoyed it Went a little bit lower on my rating in the end, but three and a half for me. Uh, Gareth, you first. Uh, where did you go on this one? And uh, what did you think of Yujiro's uh, performance out there with Osprey? Yeah, I mean, from a rating point of view, I went like 3.25. And then mm. when I was like scrolling down and I seen your 3.75 <laughs> on the day, I was like, what the fuck is he? I was excited, like? man. It was G1 season. It was the first match. I was really hyped. So, <laughs> so you're one of the people there who would have been giving the young boys three and a half or something like <laughs> yeah. that. You'd actually watch that first match, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, um, I mean, to me, it was what it, I was, I'll be fair. Like I was teetering between three and three point two five when I was mm. I was watching it. It just felt like you know it was a very quick match, obviously, kind of thing. It was it was Osprey just throwing out a few greatest hits. Yujiro, I was you know, label him as the Dino Bravo of New Japan, really sort of thing. And I think that uh, full bleach blonde hair there, that's very much kind of a that's you know that's that's what it is. His gimmick on. Like perhaps it's a massive in joke to Dino Bravo. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I think with the I'm lazy and there's a gangster element. Yeah, no yeah. fags. Yeah, there's the, the parallels are there, and he's shit as well, which is like Dino Bravo is the worst wrestler I've ever seen in my life. So it's uh, it's uh, definitely definitely matches up there. But I, I think the main <laughs> thing I was intrigued with was just um, 
obviously you've seen like Osprey and the size that he's packed on and things like that. And I was thinking, oh, is he going to be like, is there going to be a change of style here? And is there, is there going to be a change of style for him going heavyweight now and things? And is he going to be cutting out? Or can he even physically do some of these moves that he's done previously and stuff? And like, you visibly like heard the Japanese commentators when he was doing some of these flips and things that at the, the size he is now that, you know, the, the excitement amongst those and like the, 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 the surprise. And, but, um, you know, I think, all, all in all, to me, like it was very much. It was a, it was a three-star special. It was Osprey just pulling out some of the greatest hits. Yujiro being in there and doing what he needed to do to, you know, get Osprey over. You know, I think that there was that nice bit at the end where Yujiro was going for that over-the-shoulder pile driver finisher that he does, and Osprey hit that hidden, hidden blade and uh, then finished it off. I thought, I thought that worked well, but to me, it was just definitely just a, just a case of kind of get the job done in and out. Few. You know, flashy moves, Osprey's back, and and off we go. Doesn't yeah. didn't it wasn't wasn't much more than that really for for me. Yeah, that's all it was. I love that uh, that hidden blade from the front though. That looked like particularly devastating. That was a a great spot, and that can be a great uh, secondary finisher going forward. Um, how about you, Steph? With the uh, with you set on this one, I give it a three point two five. Yeah, give it a three point two five. I thought it was really good for an opener. I I do think Osprey did ninety nine percent of the work. Uh, he really showed what he can do working with Yujiro. I thought it was, uh, he's he's a great person to open the G1. It wasn't anything as exciting as his one last year with Lance Archer. Uh, but it was still that he's just like so impactful, his moves and fast and everything. It just really kind of gets the tournament off to a proper start. Mm. So yeah, really good, really good opener, but I'm not going to go higher at a and 3.25 for a match with Yujiro in it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think if I had a, if I had a stock on 3.75, it might have been my highest Yujiro rating ever, but, you know. Uh, it's G1 season yeah. again, JP. Save me, JP. Do you go anywhere near that? I actually went three and a half like you. Good lad. And I think there's an element of the kind of buzz of it, but it's also... It's one of these little challenges you're going to get while watching it. It's like, okay, let's see how good some of these guys really are. Mm. How how much how far can you carry Yujiro? Because there's a fucking test. <laughs> and he did as good a job as anyone's going to do. But I did get, like, on my notes, it was like, this is Yujiro's high point. This mm. is as good as it gets for the entire tournament. And we've seen it. And it's three and a half. And if you went three, you'd be like, yeah, sounds about right. Mm. Um, so we're in for some real shit from here on out. Let's not be under any illusions with it. This is Yujiro with his fucking working boots on. Mm. Um, I thought Osprey was obviously completely motivated. I noted this, like, the commentators were going absolutely berserk at times for this. And the way he came out and the way they presented him just suggested they've got... They're going big on plans with him over these next couple of years. And... I got the impression from the end of this, oh, he's having a good run in this tournament. Yeah. That's something they're actually going to be going with. I wish it, it made me wish I'd gone harder on him on the pickums, to be honest. Like, because I felt like last year mm. we all got burnt, didn't we? I think Joe was on the podcast talking about Osprey as a potential finalist. I think that got me all hyped up and I gave him loads of wins on my pickums and then he won fuck all. I think this is the year where it's clear that they are they are behind him and they're going to push him. Um, what do we all speaking think? Of, of, speaking of pickums, this was the first one that fucked me over because is it? I've, I've got Osprey, like, I've got it mapped out for him going to the last day and it all coming down to that, like, a card of. 
match on the on, on the last day, and I was looking at where he could like pick up some losses, and I thought, ah, this could be like perfect opportunity. Ujero needs a win. Osprey's somebody will put people over. It's his first match back. Mm. It could be like some ring rust little storyline or some you know bullet club fuckery or something like that, just to kind of you know establish uh, establish that. But so yeah, I was spitting chips after this that Osprey <laughs> went over at the end of it. That the Pickums were out of the window after after the first one. Yeah, that would have made sense. To be honest, I was more going on with the story that Osprey is going to be spoiler to Okada on the last day but based mm. on this and the fact that they gave him a mic after the match I'm, I don't think he's going to win the thing but I feel like he's going to be at least in contention um, I mean obviously there's the we've talked about it at length on this podcast the controversy around Osprey and there's going to be people who don't want to watch his matches or even want to hear us talk about him um, I think that did make me when they gave him a microphone it did give me pause and he kind of I don't know we kind of cut this overexcited cocky promo that kind of came across a bit heelish uh i don't know i'm not sure if i would have done the promo i think it might have been best to just leave be um but i don't know if you have any thoughts on that jp it feels like felt like that was another sign that maybe they are behind them and that that you know they're, yeah. they're in the middle of the show never mind like as last match just randomly letting him cut yeah. a promo afterwards they're, they're clearly behind them yeah yeah they really are and it's it's kind of really the inevitability of it what I was surprised they gave him a mic. Mm. I'm not surprised at the push. And you talk about the pickums, it just seemed like that's what they were going to do. And it, New Japan have kind of almost have made their stance completely clear mm. by this. And obviously, there are channels as well that people can go if they if they want to put in complaints about that. I don't see it affecting their point. I don't see it affecting their point of view oh. on it. And I, you know. He's got the Rev Pro title there as well. But, mm. um, like, they're just not going to react to this. Mm. Like, regardless of what anybody kind of thinks of it, it's 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 something that New Japan aren't going to be going with. Mm. Yeah, it seems that way. Um, yeah, but, I mean, as far as the, the promo itself goes, any thoughts on that, Steph? Uh, do, do, do you see it as a, as a sign? I wouldn't be surprised if he had asked to do a promo. And, mm. um, because they are high on him, they let him. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me at all because it seemed like he wanted to. I mean, he was so happy to be back in Japan and so happy to be back in front of those fans that um, I think he would want to acknowledge that and make a big deal of I'm finally back. Mm. So I thought it was a pretty good um, promo. I think it it was it was cocky. I wouldn't say it was like heelish. I think it was cocky in a way that the fans will like because they give him such a big reaction anyway that, yeah, but I think this is going to be a big tournament for him too. Yeah, definitely, definitely looks that way. Um, well, up next with the uh, the job of uh, following that, I mean, if we're saying, um, if we're saying Yujiro is the Dino Bravo of this tournament, I mean, can we say Taichi is like the Don Morocco? Like, does that work? As a, as a, <laughs> no, <laughs> he's my, you know what? If you've got, the, if you've got Yujiro in the block, Taichi would normally be the guy that I dread. I don't dread Taichi anymore. Um, I actually thought him and Jeff Cobb oh, had a solid match. Like I was, It was the match where I was most considering doing a runner to Greg's, so I've got to be honest, because again, if Yudro's the bottom rung of this block, these two are kind of like that next level up. Um, but I thought it was fine. I gave it a gentleman's three. Um, I think Jeff Cobb still needs to show more. Um, I did think this was... This was 
a big coupon buster for me on my pickums. Like going back to what you were saying before, Gareth, because I thought this being Jeff Cobb's second time out, similar to Osprey, we're going to be okay. They're going to give Jeff Cobb a bit of a not a monster run, but a bit of a run. You know, there's no Farley this year. There's no, you know, there's not really anybody like that. He could go through and be like the power guy and and get some big wins. And I thought we'd start off with a with a big win for him here, uh, but it kind of didn't go that way. And it, again, it was kind of. You know, I don't think it was a bad match by any means, but it was kind of just, you know, a solid enough Jeff Cobb match uh, in there with Tai Chi, who was probably up the, be- the better of the two, um, if anything, for me. So, yeah, I thought it was a slow one. I've seen people go particularly high on this one. I've seen, like, grapple ratings and people on Twitter rave about this. Um, I didn't quite see it for from, from my point of view. Like I say, I gave it the gentleman's three, 3.35 on grapple, but uh, your mileage vary uh, on that one at all, Gareth? Yeah, I mean, I went 3.25 and it was kind of one of them weird ones. Like it, it ended up in the same as the Osprey match for me and my ratings, like 3.25 for both. It was almost like if I could have added like a 3.33, I would have just added it like it wasn't quite a 3, 3.5, but it was a shade better than that Osprey, Osprey match to, for me. I mean, I like Tai Chi. I like, I, 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 like, I kind of like look at New Japan and yeah, I don't know, you see a lot of things online and people, you know, just sort of complain about how everybody's not having the same amazing you know if somebody's not having four star matches four and a half star matches then they don't deserve to be there or something whereas you know i've you know i I love character work and i love you know there's got to be people on there who are bringing something different to the show you know it is you know wrestling is like a variety show at the end of the day it's there's there's different things on there and i just i just think he's really good at just being that shitbag heel that slow like classic heel who's just you know stalling powdering just like just just meant to be there to irk you and want him to get beat and then he gets the win and like it pisses you off and things like that that he's that he's there and is you know obviously he's never going to be pulling out like four and a half star matches things but I don't, it's, it's it's not what he's there for for me and like i really enjoyed what he did with in in in, in this match you know and i think it's from like a jeff cobb point of view certainly don't see him going like any further in the in the tournament but i think he's one of them people who you can have in there and you know he's going to win half the matches that he's in he's going to lose half the matches in he's probably going to get six or eight points kind of thing he's not getting any more of that but he can he can lose a match like this without losing too much credibility but then equally you know you can put him in in three days time against somebody else and he can win that match and but he still looks credible because he's like he's big and he's got a lot of positive offense in and things like that here against tai chi and um and Taiji and things so I mean the way it came out of it you know for me it was like two middle of the pack guys who put on a decent second you know essentially second match on the on on, on the show match and yeah I liked I like what Taiji's doing here and I think they can use him to like build on this and build with his character if he's like just shitbaggery as the uh, as the tournament <laughs> goes on and he's gonna spoil some people and he's you know there's there, there will be things where he didn't have to lean on cheating so much here and things but he, then he will lean on his cheating against other people and things so you know there's mm-hmm. different ways it can go but yeah it worked 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 for me what, what, what 80s heel does that make taichi then if it's not a uh, don morocco does that make him like greg valentine or is honky tonk man to a nail on comparison he can go in the ring better than honky tonk man can but you know there's elements of the gimmick there yeah oh I don't, you're asking bad why he brown what was that i think bad news brown i could see that but but, but bad news brown who's really into karaoke yeah. Is, it, is, it a bit, is it is a bit of a Rick Martel without the, yeah, without yeah. the work 
you know, he's the model Rick Martel. I could, you know, if his uh, where he's using his, uh, I could, I could see Rick Martel ripping those pants off. He'd have had if he'd have had them back in the day. He'd have been loving that with his atomizer. There you go. Uh, th- thoughts on Tai Chi or Rick Martel stuff? Uh, are you a fan? <laughs> I feel exactly the same about Tai Chi as Gareth does. I uh, really like him a lot. I think he's a really good heel. I miss Miharabe, though. I thought she might be back for G1, but no. Mm. Um, I, gave the, I gave the match a Gentlewoman's 3 as well. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it was solid. I kind of feel sorry for Jeff Cobb because I feel like he loves New Japan more than they love him. <laughs> I, I feel... Like he's the boyfriend that's made a big commitment and gesture, and the girl's <laughs> like, "Yeah, but I'd still like to see other people." You know? <laughs> that's kind of what's going on there. Uh, I can't see him having any sort of a good tournament, whereas I can see Tai Chi spoiling like a lot of people. I can see him in that role. Mm. But yeah, it's not as much. But I mean, I, I can't imagine getting very excited about a Jeff Cobb match ever. So <laughs> Tai Chi was the best part of it. Yeah, yeah, he's like the uh, he's the he's Mike Elgin twenty twenty, isn't he? JP uh, <laughs> Jeff Cobb. It's yeah. like same kind of relationship where all Mike Elgin ever wanted was to get a plane out to Japan, uh, and then he finally got out there and he got over for a while. But you know, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a brief relationship to put it in a in the term. Steph mm. said that it was a fling rather than a long term thing. I, I I was thinking when you said that, Steph. I was reminded by like WH Park getting in a little spat with Jeff Cobb. That's as much more of a devastating put down of Jeff Cobb that I've ever <laughs> heard anyone ever say, because it, it, it is kind of true, isn't it? It's mm. it is a case where he absolutely loves being there, and they're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, we like you, you're really cool, and and that's as far as it's ever kind of going necessarily. However, I think he seemed a bit more in shape and a bit more focused, a lot more focused than last time, where it was just frankly sloppy and very disappointing. On a personal level, like he needs this to go well, he needs this tournament to go well um, as much as as anything else. And I think the best way for him to go is kind of basically being like a real bully with his super his suplexes and kind of battering people. I think that's just the most common sense, sensible way for him to do it. I think it's the thing that would get him most over. And this I thought was fine. And again, it's kind of low expectations. And I agree about Tai Chi. Uh, about the, the the things that have been said, and there's ironically, a, you know, there's a Tai Chi Jeff Cobb match from before that I'm kind of like I remember giving three and a half to, going like, this wow. is all right, yeah, it was a never title match, and I thought this was fine, and it's probably a solid start for Cobb, but really, it's what happens from here for him because Tai Chi can raise his game against better opponents. That's always been something that's kind of noted for him. And ever since he moved into the heavyweight division, like it's it's been so much more of a natural fit. And mm. I think that's the thing that's really connected. Him and the juniors was the most bizarre fit because it's like he shouldn't be there. He's too big. And it was a lot of stalling work. And in the ring, he just wasn't able to kind of do what they did. Here, he's kind of in his element and it works. And he's that great spoiler that's already that that's already been mentioned, where he comes in and, and he can spoil your pickums, mm. but it o- obviously logically makes sense. Like, I know it sounds crazy. The idea of him pinning, like, you know, various champions, you kind of go, yeah, I could see why you do that, but we don't need to see Naito Taichi again. But here we go. I know your best mates, lads, but fucking hell, give it a rest. <laughs> um, like, uh, but 
he himself like kind of really he over delivers in G ones does uh, like did Taichi last time, and I could see that being the case here. Um, yeah, it's just a case for Cobb that he has to like step it up. This can be a start, but when he's in there, like we spoke about Elgin before, mm. and Elgin's best Elgin did have some genuinely like great matches mm. in there, like during G ones, and he hasn't had, any, had anything really even close to that. And he has to deliver at least one of those. Yeah, El- Elgin kind of... I mean, for you can say all you want about Elgin. I know he's not a particularly yeah. popular figure, but he did have a connection with the fans. Like, And whereas Jeff Cobb's just a dude, isn't he? He's just a body at the moment. And that's the... You know, last year you can let it go. Because it's like, well, you know, first time out here and stuff. We'll, we'll give him time. Now, fully embedded member of the New Japan roster. Yeah, we've all got to expect more from him um, this time out. But... Like, like you all said, solid uh, solid second match out. Um, certainly not a bad match. And like I say, the, uh, there were plenty of uh, who grapple users who, uh, who liked it even more than we did. But next up is where things really got started. This is where the grade one climax started, everyone. Tomohiro Ishii and Minoru Suzuki, who, according to already in Hamilton's Bat Body Drop review, they've only ever had four singles matches, which blew my mind. So this is number four, apparently. But my God. God, was this a match? This was like, this this was where we really got going with this tournament. This was fucking, this made me realize how valuable Suzuki is going to be to this tournament because both him and Ishii are going to drag people into having their match. And it's always going to be the different match on the card that maybe, you know, it's not necessarily near fall laden. It's going to be like a fight and it's going to be a dad scrap and there's going to be plenty of selling and there's not going to be you know too much you know lots and lots of like move 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 it's going to be like big stuff and then they sell for a while and then more big stuff and then more of a fight and then like a just a real scrap you get out of these two and they'll drag other people in the tournament into those matches and yeah this was a this was a dream for me to uh to come out on night one this was exactly what we needed i think to to get things going it had all of the best things you know all of Ishii's incredible selling all of suzuki himself like he gets maybe not not talked up as this great realistic seller as far as like making things look like a fight and you know looking out on his feet and managing to fight back which is Ishii's strength as well and yeah I absolutely love this thing I went four stars on grapple and this was the moment where I was like okay G1's really started now let's have more of this uh it is the uh the best time of the year and yeah i went for the average on grapple is 4.24 uh gareth do you go uh higher or lower than that because i know uh you love this thing as well i did i, I loved it I, I went 4.25 um as as much as i loved it it was still kind of in that bracket to me that that it's it that it was yeah it's great that it's over a, over a four yeah, but like i don't know I, I didn't feel like it i could go go any further, uh, any further than four point two five of it, but I mean, God, I, I, I just loved it. I mean, this is this is my kind of wrestling. This is, this is everything I want from from wrestling. Where it's you know it's aggressive, it looks real, you know, just the way they they just started here. It just came straight out of the gate, right into what you'd expect, you know. And yeah, I was definitely feeling like, yep, G one started here, and you know they had that little bit where they tried to wrestle at the start and then just went back to just like slugging into each other and just. You know, it was just that that whole that whole back and forward. Really, it was until like Suzuki got him to the outside, and you know, um, was able to get the get the upper hand, and then you add Ishii in that perfect kind of 
fighting from under underdog position kind of thing where he's working his way back while Suzuki's just, you know, just laying fuck into him kind of thing. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, it was just perfect the way that it, it was set up and just like some of those exchanges. I mean, just the sound on some of those strikes and just like the, you know, hitting them with the meat of the forearm and oh. some of them kicks and things like that, you know. Yeah, that's, Oh, yeah, absolutely, you know, brilliant, you know, that, you know, that, 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 but, but I think it was just, I think as well for me, it was just when I'm talking about it, like looking legitimate and realistic, I think just sort of some of the selling when they're having those strikes, like I I hate it. I I hate it when you get a lot of these people and it's like, and now it's your turn and now it's my turn and now it's your turn. And it's just like hit you once and then hit me and hit me and they sort of stagger back one and things. Whereas this, it felt like, there was occasions where Suzuki hit him and Ishii was just dead, like he and you know he sold it like he was dead. And there was other times where he didn't hit him as a, or he didn't appear to have hit him as hard. And he wasn't just selling it in the same way; he was selling it very differently and things. And it just, you know, it just really, I think it just just added to it. You know, you you sort of felt Ishii was like a real desperation at some points where you sit there, but like that head butted, like it missed a few strikes, and Suzuki was just getting the better mm. of him, and then he just like pulls that pulls that head butt out. He pulls a couple of like sort of half lariats out and things like that to just get back into it. It was just, um, ah, loved it, absolutely loved it. It was uh, like the, the second you heard Ishii's music sort of going, it was like yes, here we go, kind of thing, and especially because I'd yeah. I'd done like the I'd put the graphic out to the previous week, and it just showed that like. Ishii had the highest average last year on Grapple. Eight of his nine matches last year's tournament were all were like averaged out at like four star and above, off you know across like you know thousands of votes kind of thing across across the whole piece. And you're just like, this is this is his time to shine. And yeah, long uh, long may it continue through this tournament because fucking hell, he's got some opponents in this tournament to work with as well, hasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. G one's big Tom Ishii season. That's what I say. Uh, that's what it is. And you got he he is he's like you said that music hits and you know it's G one like this is this is when you're getting the proper stuff uh were you as high on this one steph uh i'm guessing it's not going to be a match of the night but was it at least close it actually was my match tonight oh <laughs> my objective match of the night uh i'm just like i i give this four stars but i would like i did headline wrestle kingdom with these two <laughs> like <laughs> they're so um Mm. They're so great together. I'm so happy Suzuki's in the tournament. But like you both said, it was just totally like perfect match. It was also the kind of match that I really like. Just two guys, mm. especially two older guys, just beating the shit out of each other is everything I wanted to see on a Saturday morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, yeah, Ishii's going to have a great tournament. But Suzuki being in the tournament is just fantastic as well. Mm. And they're both going to get some really unique matches out of out of the rest of their opponents yeah that's what they're there for and like i said it, this was the dad fight combined age of 90 something jp like that's that that's the that's what you're getting out of these two though they're, they're gonna do that and they're gonna put like uh, these younger kids to shame uh this is th- these are the proper dads these are the proper lads in this tournament this is the standard me and Gareth have to live up to. When we have <laughs> I want to see you have a fight, yeah? <laughs> Birkin heads like this. Um, I don't know, Gareth. I don't know if I could do 13 minutes of this. I really don't. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's mirroring the kind of obvious. This is, this is like G1 comfort food. Mm. This is what you want, delivered how you want, and it's always good, and it always feels kind of nourishing. And, yeah, you've seen a lot of it before but it doesn't mean that it's ever, it's never not welcome mm-hmm. and it, and so 
I look at kind of Ishii, for example, it's never about his record, it's about the matches that he has. That's the thing you remember about him. It's not how close he comes up in there. Although, and we saw this at Royal Quest, or you didn't, Benno, but uh, <laughs> oh, us three on, did. <laughs> Sorry. Look, I've had Rob, a bad year in. already, Jesus. But, but, yes. but it's the idea that you could see, um, like, <laughs> if you push Suzuki for that one last big run and mm. that one last big match, there is value in that. And they've never done this with Ishii. And I swear to God, I think there'd be enough ground sweat in normal times to do a really kind of good house and you properly build up like this is his one big chance kind of main event, a substantial show. And I think you can honestly do that. And yeah, there was like, like I did wince at some of the kind of headbutt stuff in there. But I have to confess, as soon as they started slapping each other, I just smiled. And I went, ah, get in, lads. I'm happy. And it just kind of made you think I'm watching normal wrestling. I spoke about it earlier on about moments you kind of zoo, you you kind of you thought you were watching wrestling in normal times. This was one of those moments. Yeah. And I was went, it, um, I went four point two five for it. It was it was interesting, Benno, that you mentioned there that that was only the fourth match between them because I was I was just looking there and so um, one of them had happened at that. Um, Strong Style Evolve show that we went to in Altrincham. Um, so that was like the, the we'd see it there. Yeah, yeah, I turned up to that. Was that. There, was a, there was a Brixton one. So, so I've seen 50% of them live. So that's, that, that's pretty wow. good. But that's all I was thinking of with that Brixton show was them knocking the hell out of each other in a fucking, you know, basketball gym in Brixton kind of thing. And now they're yeah. here on this stage doing this. But just thinking, I, I have to reference uh, Andy Ogden doing his clapping and then Suzuki just cutting in this look and then just doing like that across his throat, you know, like the yeah, death sign across his throat. And, and Andy's ass went, you know, as, yeah. as I say, I say mine, mine went for him kind of thing. God, but tell you what, when you wouldn't want sitting Minoru Suzuki uh, staring at you and doing that to you. But uh, yeah, poor, poor Andy, that was a belter. <laughs> that was a great moment were you at that show Steph? no I wasn't at that show it was a weird show it was a weird venue mm. it's a venue I'd be interested to see like in normal times other companies kind of run but you had to go up this kind of like he pissed it down that day didn't he Gareth and we yeah. ended up in a craft brewery and these like poxy little steps I don't know why I'm going on about this <laughs> mean anything. yeah so you see that and then you see it here I can't believe you've seen 50, yeah, 50% of those matches live <laughs> Nuts. Well, I'm very jealous if that helps, lads, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> As you should be. Real Quest 2021, Steph, we'll be there. We'll get to see them uh, have another fight again. Um, <laughs> but I suppose uh, next up we get to, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit different, this. No Joe on the podcast, but uh, but Steph is here. Jay White and Shingo. <laughs> Jay White made his, uh, his comeback to uh, to New Japan here in the, in the G1 sport and... Uh, a, a, a new beard. Um, he looked in, in a, a hell of a, of a good shape uh, as far as uh, that goes. And yeah, he looked uh, he looked ready and he looked uh, he looked excited to be uh, making his comeback here with Shingo. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I should just give the floor to you, Steph, for this one. It was, uh, you know, Jay White's back in New Japan. Uh, discuss. And, and again, you haven't got Joe here to, uh, to tear it down either. So maybe uh, us three will have to uh, maybe channel Jay White to give the uh, the alternate view on this one. Well, firstly, before anyone asks, no, I don't like the beard, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like the beard. But yeah, just from the minute he came out, it was like Jay's back. 
like the way he walks to the ring shouting at the camera is one of my favorite things and he was right out there telling everyone to clap for him he had ghetto with him he was making everyone look at how what good shape he was in and yeah he was in really good shape um if only he'd shaved or even trimmed the beard even even just trim it would be fine really um i gave this match four stars because i think i felt peer pressure not like making me not want to go any higher <laughs> well i went three so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i felt if i went higher i'd be accused of like you know trying to fix things or something or get kicked off the app <laughs> so four. um i thought it was a really good match and I know people don't like the tactics, the Gato tactics. I actually thought they wouldn't do these tactics now that we have evil, mm. but last Gato has to get that in there. Um, but it had all his usual just like shenanigans that I find entertaining and part of what makes him a great character. Like, he doesn't wrestle like anyone else in New Japan. All his matches are unique um, to anyone else in the card. And he's just such great fucking heel and it was a great match he was in there with Shingo who's also an incredible worker and if you haven't seen his post-match promo please do because it was amazing and that, and that made me extra happy for him to be back he got some poor woman to bring out a chair for him and then bring out a chair for Gato he did his promo and then left and then came back and said no one else deserves these and took the chairs <laughs> it was Classic kind of, yeah, classic post-match stuff. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like it's New, it's New Japan now that Jay's back. It really is, because the US stuff didn't count. I don't even know why he bothered doing those shows. It it, it did not count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Let's go to LA for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, and I again I, I went three on it, so I'm much lower than you. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'd I thought the work in the match was good. I, I kind of mm. you know, Jay White's like heavily counter laden style is my favourite part of his style. And I I do like I've always been like usually on this podcast and JP attested to I I was kind of forced into being the Jay White defender because I just didn't hate him quite as much as Joe uh, and I think JP you're kind of indifferent um, but like I was very keen on his young lion route there you go that yeah, was, yeah. He was awesome. awesome he's just all in white <laughs> Yeah, he was one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah. But I I think for me it is, like, I, I can recognise there were good things in the match. It's just... And, it, like, you, to be honest, I think I agree with you, Steph. I think if if you left this stuff to evil, let's say Jay White just cheats at the end to win. I'm fine with that. It's the fact that we stopped the match for five minutes and Red Shoes had to act like a clown, which, you know, I'm sure WH will be uh, raving about on his ex-podcast with John. Um, and you get five minutes of the match stopping and it just takes me out every time. And I gave it a three because I wouldn't say it was bad. I think there was good things about the match, but it just always takes me out of it. Um, and if we're going to get this on both days now on a block and on b block and thank god we're not well, at least we're not getting it with kenta it doesn't look like so you've got like one less of those uh it's going to be like that year for me where i think was it was it last year where like bad luck farley was doing bullshit in one block and then in the other block you had fucking tamatonga doing the same shit like that's where it goes with me so yeah while i can recognize it and you know be happy for you steph that uh the jay white's back i couldn't give it higher than three uh i don't know where, where'd you go on it gareth I give it three and a half. Like I, yeah, like enjoyed this up to a point, really. You know, and I think um, again, while in the past I've 
you know, I don't know, I've probably been as harsh or as negative on Jay White as maybe like Joe and well, certainly not Joe. Um, so, <laughs> don't think but, anybody uh, yes. JP and you even kind of thing. I think I'm probably mm. like more middle ground with him. But like when, when he came out, I, I found myself feeling kind of like oddly pleased to see him sort of thing. Like yeah, it was fresh, like, I don't, I don't, he looked fresh. He, you know, he's got that element of star power about him because of obviously the status he's had within the company, like previously. And, you know, that, that's obviously having the title and things like that, that sort of like helps. And, you know, God, I even like the beard. Like I just thought it kind of, I think one of the things that I've never, like with him in the past, I've always thought he's looked too baby face, genuinely baby face, you know, to, to, be the sort of chicken shit heel that he leading heel that he that he is and i think the the beard just made him look a bit more like a sneaky little bastard kind of thing as well and i just thought it kind of like fit in with the the the, the personality and um i mean the match itself you know again like i mean he plays what he's there for well you know he's doing that chicken shit stuff it's you know it's like the lying down and things when he's supposed to get you know he's supposed to get hit or he's you know his foot on the ropes when he gets half a chance and things like that as well you know and I, I, you know i think he he plays up to it obviously you're never going to you're not getting you know you're not getting a card of match quality out of him kind of thing but again i don't think that's what you, you ex- expect from either and i think it's i think he's growing into the into the role and you sort of forget how i don't know how old he is but like from a career point of view he's obviously very young and like i think where is that now and if you think if he sort of keeps on this trajectory in like two years three years with this you know the way he's developed probably over the last two years you know i think it, it feels to me like he's is on the right track and he did you know he did sort of it, it did add something to the uh it did add something to the show i think it was it was one of the first instances for me of just highlighting okay what we've been lacking during this lockdown period was just that element of you know you know star quality i suppose it's been that's that's been missing and you know i sort of you know i felt like he brought it back to to, to some degree but yeah the match itself you know I, I liked some of the stuff that they did there with you know I don't think Shingo like lost anything from the way the match went. He's Shingo still looked strong and like Jay got the win in a sneaky way as he should. And we all know that if he hadn't, you know, grabbed the ref and held the ropes and things like that, Shingo was going to um, hit that last of the dragon and win kind of thing as well. So again, like you say, keeps, keeps, keeps Shingo looking pretty, pretty strong. And you know, that it's, it's, it's going to be credible when he beats people in some, some other matches as well. So like all in all, I was, you know, like say I gave it three and a half. I, I enjoyed it. And then when you look at the, you know the average on the app. You know it's coming out at three point seven three over. Mm. That's from three hundred eighty eight people who've rated it. So, um, you know, you 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 you're sort Steph. of where, where you're saying Steph about like, oh God, am I going to sound like I'm overrating it? Actually, you're closer to the yeah, majority right. really than 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 you know Benno throwing it a three. Mm. Very true. Where are you on the uh, on the uh, scale, JP? I went three and a half as well. Oh, okay. I'm, um, well yeah. I'm usually the Jay White yeah. defender. What's happened? This is all Steph's fault, isn't it? She's just, <laughs> just, just, it's subtle, just like a virus kind of implying it's good, isn't it? And then it just sort of spreads. <laughs> and then we feel like I've grown a beard and I'm thinking, yeah, I will get it longer. <laughs> That'll work. Well, you can pull um, it off, mate. It'll look good. I, I don't mind. You've been, you've been doing a lot of running and walking as well. You've got the body for it these days too, you know? Come well, on. yeah. What, to turn into Jay White? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Get I, I think I need some uh, some vitamins, brother, to help out with that one. <laughs> um, the, I, part of the reasons that I kind of enjoyed it, quite similar, it was like seeing him, which is a kind of an absence, makes the heart go, go far, and seeing him in a proper environment. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed the fact that you could hear him. And... 
you could hear him with the crowd. And there was a lot of the stuff around the kind of heel shtick that I kind of really enjoyed, the little interactions and the things he would say when he gets out of a hold and the rest of it. And it's all designed just to unsettle the opponent rather than kind of like the kind of obvious examples. It's just like him fucking with their head. It it feels like also as well, because this didn't have the length of some of the, when we think of that, the Jay White run a couple of years ago when he first was in the G1 and it would always be the main event and it'd be mm. 20 minutes plus. This didn't have that. And my God, did it benefit? You know, I often think of like the, like of the matches he's had outside of that G1 final with Ibushi, but that match with Okada being, was it 13 minutes again? Like, and he, and he beat him there and it was like a great 13 minute kind of sprint and a real shock. Um, and I think that might work because there was an element of him doing a few more strikes and a li- less working rest holds, which I thought was quite nice. And just that bit more aggression. The issue is, again, that it's the shena- those kind of shenanigans need to go towards the end. Cheating to win, and I completely agree. Him cheating to win yeah. like seems to be the route because I just get the impression that they're going to be removing him from Bullet Club. Like, And maybe that's just B. But I could see just I I just get this feeling that he's going to be the one to go, and it would be good if you could transition away from the kind of obvious cheating if that is a route that they're going to go down at some point and kind of show him he can win. He's just canny and he doesn't give a shit about a lot of the rules. But ultimately, he can beat you by himself and he'll just mess with your head in order to do that. And I think that's a better version of the character rather than the ghetto stuff. Mm, yeah. Totally agree. I mean, where do you think the story's going, Steph? Like, what did you in your pickums? What's how you uh, you plotted out Jay White's tournament? Because I am compelled a bit by what JP is saying that maybe we are headed towards and leaving Bullet Club and something with evil. Do you see that? That's how it's playing out. Yeah, I think we're heading towards him and evil. I think that's kind of why evil has Dick Togo mm. because. That kind of doesn't seem necessary if you have Gato, but I think it's like building up to him and Gato versus Evil and Dick Togo. Not in a tag match, but... Yeah, because that doesn't <laughs> sound great, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, in an, actual, in an actual match and him yeah. being Bullet Club and um, kind of just going out on his own, still with Gato and being more like a tweener type because i think fans would pick him over evil i think most people would pick him to cheer over evil um and yeah i think that's where it's all headed to really i think that's why they're in separate blocks i I think it's going to be the final and i know people will shit on it so hard if it is (laughs) but i think it's going to be the final wow i could see it being a match down the line but I don't know. Yeah, the final. Yeah, that would uh, that would definitely send certain parts of the uh, the fandom into a into a few. I think it just evil getting to the final in general. Never mind in there with Jay. Uh, but there is a story there. I do feel like yeah, there's definitely something there with you know even when evil was the default leader of Bullet Club, he still had Ghetto going out there in his JY t-shirt, and it felt like there was something bubbling underneath uh, but yeah like you said before jp i'd take that i think a a bit a newly baby face jay white with like now that we've had this heel run and still having that edge to him i'd be into that um mm-hmm. but you know maybe we'll get more shades of gray than that i guess we'll see maybe if he turns he'll shave the beard because i know that's what my mom's waiting for she <laughs> every, time, 
every time he's in like a big match, like at Wrestle Kingdom, she's like, if he wins at Wrestle Kingdom, do you think he'll shave the beard to celebrate? And then, you know, we had the whole pandemic and she's like, do you think he shaved the beard? No, he hasn't. And now she's asking me, do you think if he wins the G1, he'll shave the beard? So at some point he may just... Maybe Wrestle Kingdom, he comes out in a mask and rather like the reception that Okada got, especially in that pub in England, um, <laughs> when they were watching it early morning. Oh, that's kind of reaction. That, he pulled, he? Yeah, he pulls it off, doesn't he? And then the mask off afterwards. You, you never know if Get. <laughs> you never know if Ghetto, if Ghetto has been watching uh, WWE, he might be like be, uh, beard for a beard match against somebody or something like that, and end up having to shave the beard at Wrestle Kingdom. There you go, some classic old school Memphis booking. Her versus beard, him and evil, evil keep <laughs> her and Jen loses with the beard. There you go. <laughs> hey, we established last week Grapple Gay, those a listener, so. <laughs> well, that's Sonada versus Jay Jay White in a beard versus beard match. It'd be that. It, that would be awful, wouldn't it? It'd be like Jake Roberts, Rick Martell in that blindfold match. <laughs> I mean, Sonada's in there, so you already lost me. But yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd be asleep. So I suppose, really, how much damage would it really do? <laughs> we'll talk the B block. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of uh, Sonada and Evil Bash it to come. Um, next up, then we had uh, we had our main event: uh, Kota Ibushi, Kazuchika Okada. Um, I went quite low on this one. Uh, I'm just presuming you guys are going to be a bit higher. The average is 3.79 on Grapple, and I went three and a half. Um, I thought it was fine. I just don't know. I've got a, a certain standard for a, for a day one main event that it didn't hit. I've heard lots of conspiracy theories on that, that, you know, Okada's dogging it on purpose, and the story is, you know, we had his, you know, New Japan Cup run, and, you know, that was obviously... Okada not taking it too seriously and now he thinks he can get away with it too in the G1 and he's gonna get found out um I mean that makes sense from the that shit fucking money clip crossface thing he's desperately trying to get over because like that was kind of the story in this match the Kota Bishi was just like ah fuck that like he put it in like three different times and at no point did it ever seem like it was a real threat uh maybe Okada's doing the balloons thing again and he's work he's playing a uh, chess when we're all uh we're we're all still playing checkers maybe it's one of those things but yeah i don't know I, I just wasn't moved by it really i just wasn't pulled into it uh in the way i normally would with a with a big okada match uh the drama just wasn't really there for me i thought go to looked great uh and again the fact that that man's pushing 40 lads he's uh he's pushing putting us all to shame um he looked good again another bit of a coupon buster seeing him go over i had uh okada as my uh as my winner on uh on night one but again I don't know, maybe you first, Garrett. Do you think there's a there's a story we're telling here with with Okada? Do you think it's just that the the big behind uh, Kota Ibushi? Uh, I do kind of think it would be strange for I've heard people talk legitimately in shoot terms like Okada's lost it. I don't buy that. I don't buy that based on just based on Wrestle Kingdom we get this year. Um, but I don't know. Do you buy that it's a story here? Is he having a bad run? Uh, what do you think's going on? I mean, from my point of view, I think it's, you know, it's, there's no way he's fucking shot. You know, those two matches at Wrestle Kingdom were, you know, they're going to be the top, well, they're currently the top two matches of the year so far on the app kind of thing. So, again, he's pulled that out back to back. I don't think suddenly in the space of eight months, I don't think he's suddenly absolutely shit the bed on his career and can no longer pull off high level matches anymore. You know, I just think it's definitely, definitely got to be part of a story that the tell in. And obviously, like Ibushi got the better room in the G1 last year and then, you know, Ibushi all 
fell apart for him at Wrestle Kingdom, didn't it? it both both days. So then, um, so you know, I, I had Ibushi to win this. I just thought it was that it was it was you know kind of continuing that that story. And I think there's an element of like a card of building himself back up and building towards something. Obviously, he ate the pin, didn't he, against Yano in the um, in that King uh, in, in that tournament thing that they did recently as well. So mm. I think it's just it's just all part of the. Probably through this tournament, he's gonna, you know, get his get his mojo back, and I've I've kind of got it all coming to the coming to the the last day, and you know, like Ibushi's still been in the mix, and Jay White been in the mix, and the Carter and Osprey have been up there. You know, I think I've got a bit of a four way thing going on there, right down to the to the last day, and I, I feel like that's kind of the way they're going, especially with Ibushi getting the, the big win here as well. From the match point of view, I mean. I didn't watch it live. I had to take my kids swimming. Unfortunately, it got to that oh, point, kind of thing. Here. So, so I had to, I had to. Dad duties got in the way, so, uh, so I ended up having to watch it on the night, and I fell asleep watching it. <laughs> to be honest, it was oh, so. That's like, not a good sign. Yeah, you know, which so then uh, then I had to like rewatch it the, the next day, and and I was like, oh no, I wasn't just tired, kind of thing. It was just like bang average, you know, really. And you know, I'd give it three and a half, and. It's got 3.79 on the app, so you know no one else out there is thinking it's absolutely stunning by any means either. Really, it just was a very just functional match that kind of ended and that results and to me didn't tell much of a story and didn't have me massively engaged really. And I'm looking at my notes and I literally haven't got a word written about it kind of thing either. So it just was just missable, which is pretty odd really. And I think like you say, for a first night main event, I mean, like looking back last year, the best match over the first two days was Akada Tanashi from the opening day last year in the, in, in the main event there, which averaged out at about 4.25 on, on, on the app. So Again, absolutely getting nowhere near those those levels. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I am, eh? Um I know go to you first, JP, you any higher on it? No, I almost feel exactly the same, to the point where I nodded off when he first put on the uh, money clip. And I just like you know, up early or oh, right, oh hello. it's like I'm meant to be watching this shit. <laughs> and then like kind of came back in. It was it was a match that in and of itself was fine but mm. i completely agree that's the story i think they're telling he's gonna have this and it's g1 is full of tropes isn't it mm. and there's tropes that we love and this now has become a trope which is a carder frankly uh, certainly initially very lackluster matches and mm. then he goes into a runner form towards the end and then the big question is whether or not he makes the final funny enough i've gotten down as winning it because mm. i'm going with a i think i've said it a couple of times just think him and naito in yeah. the main event is the kind of most standard thing you can do without blowing kind of potentially kind of bigger matches in the year. And you can build to those. It's like a very handy placeholder match to have in a kind of unusual situation. Mm. Um, it, that submission, I mean, didn't we have this with red ink before? Oh yeah. yeah. Like trying to get that over and it didn't work. And the thing I was there watching is going, God, I'd love to see a few rainmaker reversals around this time rather than this shit um like it really it really was it's it, it just like and i agree with you it's like it felt like ibushi was up for doing more and okada was kind of wrestling it was like he was in a slightly different match mm. to what um ibushi was and i went three and a half because it's not bad i mean yeah I would say make sure you're awake before you start watching it. Have a cup of coffee at the beginning. 
Uh, or if you're struggling sleeping, maybe get that on. <laughs> and then if Night O Evil from the night from a few months before hasn't done that, because that definitely will knock you out. How <laughs> uh, did they keep you awake, Steph? Uh, what were you thinking on this one? Well, when they first came out, I was very excited just because it's Bushy and Okada. But then it started. Um, I totally agree with JP. I can absolutely see Kota being so up for having a great match and Okada basically saying to him backstage look sorry mate but I'm doing this whole thing where I'm a bit shit at the minute (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to give you anything good Uh, and yeah that new finisher is just not not working at all but I do think this is all part of another Okada storyline where he's just having a bad time and will eventually rise again (laughs) And yeah, I know like Koda said after the match that he wants Okada again because Okada didn't even try for the Rainmaker, so he doesn't really feel like he beat Okada at his full power, and I guess that's kind of the story there. And he also declared that he wants to be God, so that's something to fight for as well. Capital G <laughs> as well, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's crazy like, as a shithouse rat, isn't he? <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah. That's why we love him. But yeah, I gave it a 3.5. Uh, I'm not even sure if i really mean that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's yeah i mean he's got kota Ibushi in it looking pretty so you know at least it had that going for it um and yeah he's as crazy as he uh as he is pretty i love that story i wonder where we are going with this with the old uh the whole god thing but you know i think i i would say you know gareth you said you've gone quite far with him in your pickums i really didn't give kota Ibushi enough consideration that's going to be my undoing to be honest like i was kind of a not really a fair in my first second third or fourth thoughts as far as uh winning this thing goes and yeah based on this i feel like he's gonna have a strong tournament now so yeah that's gonna come back to bite me but i think uh as far as match quality goes both are gonna have better does it not feel though that the feud he's really gonna have and the match he's gonna have is with tanahashi yeah that's that's gonna be wrestle kingdom it's yeah and and you just think well that's a wrestle kingdom match Hmm. it'll be a if Tanner's on the kind of form that he was in on day two, then you kind of think that could be an absolute belter of a match. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily need a title or anything else like that because they've already built in this story between them. And it's like the ultimate kind of piece on cementing Ibushi into that kind of big top tier of talent as well. So it's mm. it's like the G1 isn't, isn't essential for Ibushi this year. Mm, yeah i think that that was my thinking there you go jp you've explained it and you're doing well enough in the pickums that that gives me a little bit of confidence there so you know <laughs> um, but yeah guess we'll see uh but yeah over to to day two and uh and uh the, the b block again as we mentioned starting at six in the morning um you know th- these americans complain when like WWE shows finish at like midnight uh you know what i mean like that this, this, for me six in the morning is basically the middle of the night uh there's no way i was uh i was get- i'm not going to be getting up for many of these six in the morning shows but i did manage to uh to get up at least for the uh the bulk of the card on this one and yeah as we said at the top of the show this was actually I mean, I'm expecting less from the B block, but I thought it was every bit as good as the uh, the A block show overall. It had its highs and it had its lows, but overall, really enjoyed it as a show. Uh, we kicked off with a uh, more young boy action, sorry, young lion action. JP with uh, Yota Suji and uh, and Gabe Kidd. I know we talked uh, quite a bit about them early, but and and anything particularly on the match at all. Uh, again, I'm looking at the uh, the grapple app for this one, and you know the average is uh, 2.88, which is fair for a young boy match. Uh, I gave mm-hmm. it the uh, the gentleman's three, so I'm actually higher than the average on this one uh any notes on this one uh jp is uh, as far as a match goes 
I went three. I thought it was better than the night one Young Lion match. And it was a lot more kind of intensity. And the crowd were well up for this mm. as well, I might say. And um, yet, yeah, again, it's it was and it was as much down to Yota Suji and the kind of crowd connection that he has that I think raises the interest in the other one. Maybe that commercially does with Taguchi and Honma is just enormous in Japan <laughs> and we just never tapped into it. Mm. And they're just like, you know, I'm here to watch Yota Suji wrestle. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, you know, that maybe you've got this this quiet fan base that we don't know about. But yeah, I went three stars, which in translation terms is a good four and a half in Young Lions. <laughs> it's like the Melter Scale. This is where we'll kill it. This is where we get to kill Gareth Scale. Comedy <laughs> matches. Stuff like that. <laughs> oh, we got Yaro to come, don't worry. Uh, uh, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on this one, Gareth? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I thought it was same as JP, slightly better than the day before. I went 2.75. It just, just had that little bit extra to it. I, again, I've, I've talked about it earlier, really, with the, you know, when we were saying about Gabriel Kidd, I just thought that I thought he excelled. I thought he's, you know, great crowd work, you know, really like good selling, good aggression and things like that as well. And was what it was at the end of the day. It was a, it was a, it was a young Lions match that, that delivered. Exactly, exactly what it said on the turn. Uh, but there we then got into uh, our proper B block action. And Steph, I've got to go to you first. You can be our resident WH part because it was Yoshihashi versus Juice Robinson. And what the fuck was Juice Robinson wearing? I've heard it described as a singlet, but he looked like he was like, you know, like he should have been out there with Deuce and Domino. He just looked like he was wearing a vest as far as I'm concerned. And he looked so smart coming out dressed like a blues brother. Uh, I don't know. What is this look? Can Juice Robinson get away with it, though? I suppose that's the question. Absolutely not. I, uh, I thought it was, I thought he looked absolutely terrible. I'm just looking at a picture of it now. Mm. He looks like... Oh, he's going in the show images. No no doubt about that. My, like, he he looked like a bad like stripper halfway through his routine when he came out. And yeah the vest looked like the next stage in the act you know where they're then wearing the, I can imagine it in Magic Mike you know then there's the vest and then the vest comes off but the vest just never came off I don't I, I, I don't know what this I can only assume this is a storyline this is um, about his transformation I don't know what's happened to him that he had a total lockdown breakdown and came back like this but mm. honestly i turned on the tv i didn't even recognize the man and uh, at all uh and then when i was only going on twitter then realizing oh wow that's juice and i think one of juice's big problems has always been an image problem mm. he's always seemed like um even when he was in wwe and stuff that he he seems like not totally sure what he wants to be or what he wants to look like and has trouble kind of fully committing to it and then now we've got this mm. so yeah it goes uh as far as the match i think i, I gave it like 2.75 or something because uh, i can't see myself going any higher than a juice robinson match it's <laughs> been not with that gear especially <laughs> yeah i mean especially in there with yoshihashi as well uh i went three Grapple average is 3.25, uh, but I don't know. You guys any higher on it, Gareth? How about you? I was 3.25, bang in line with the average there. So, um, you know, I thought I 
I enjoyed it, you know, reasonably, reasonably well. You know, I thought like I thought Yushashi was as good as I've seen him in a in, in in a while. I thought he definitely he looked up for it. And obviously, you came out of that comment a few weeks ago, Benno, about like him not looking confident in his own skin. I think mm. he looked a bit more confident in his own skin. I don't know if that That's like six man tag, if that six man tag uh, win finally getting that belt on him. Uh, he looked like our real he looked like our real champion coming out there in his belt. He had a little bit of a swag, a little bit of swagger tapping the belt as he uh, as he walked down the aisle. He was. Uh, uh, he definitely uh, definitely looked like an improvement there, and it was more than I was expecting. I mean, obviously Juice looked shit, and like when he came out with his with his hat, and like I was thinking, he's seen Tony Storm, isn't he now? And I was thinking mm. he'd like nicked one of her little hats, and he just had a really <laughs> small head or something like that. That uh, it just like popped on the top there, but I don't know. Like I always I always thought he looked his his old look. He he almost had. I'm not going to compare them in ring work but like he almost had that like randy savage kind of thing about him that he always had like different big exotic colorful like outfits that he came and came to the ring to and he he sort of stood out a little bit of because of it and it was like a unique distinct look and and, and i thought that was that was you know one of his strengths whereas now he's kind of i think what he was he was wearing there and especially what he's wearing in ring kind of thing it just uh, he just it, it looked awful he looked so low rent and it just i don't know really sort of took away from the gimmick of what he's been previously and you know he, he has got that really good crowd connection you know when you talk mm. about the crowd being up for things at certain points they're fucking right behind him and he was really you know he was working it and working it hard and really getting them you know getting them behind him and you know i think um you know, again, that's another strength that he plays to, but it just seems sort of as as Steph was saying there, that kind of like disconnect almost between the character and the, his look and then not, I don't know, not 100% been behind one certain route that he's supposed to be, be going down and it just not matching up. But, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, it, it was what it was, wasn't it? It's fucking Juice Robinson against Yoshihashi. It's always going to be a middle of the middle of the block or lower to middle end of the end of the block, you know, match that neither of them are going any distance in terms of number of points that they're getting in the tournament sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it, it filled, filled a purpose and it was probably better than I expected in, in honesty. Yeah, I think these are the matches, JP, aren't they? As we get deeper into the tournament, we spend less and less time on. Uh, yeah, like, like Gareth said there, it's Yoshihashi and Juice Robinson. What do you expect? Mate, I went three and a half on this. Oh, shit. Sorry, Tim. Put yeah. words in your mouth. Okay. Sorry. JP, tell I us why it was it great. Was. It might have been the early morning, but it fucking connected with me. Okay. Um, there it is. Again, I think it's saying much audience. more that. Yeah, that just might be a cry for help on my part <laughs> as much as anything. But his interaction with the crowd was great. And it's almost like he figured out the clapping thing by just doing the Freddie Mercury Oh, stuff. I knew you'd love that. I knew you'd love that. Yeah. His his entrance and his gear is just like, I, I'm hoping it's just him going, I'm mad me. Look at look what I'm wearing this week. Isn't it rubbish? And then just goes back to the kind of flowery stuff. Because I love his theme tune. Yoshihashi lived up to his end of the bargain, <laughs> which is which is such a low bar. He's just the other guy, it? isn't he? That's all he is. He's the other guy, no matter what the match is. But we've seen him. We've seen him fuck up as well. We've seen yeah. him fuck up a run to the ring where he tripped <laughs> over and smacked his head and started bleeding inexplicably. <laughs> and so, like these things aren't out of the question, are they? But here, that didn't happen. Mm. The crowd got into it, which was great. Um, I thought there was like, it was just like a kind of nice crowd opener for it as much as anything else. And I'm reminded by seeing Juice Robinson in Leamington Spa in front of 150 people. (laughs) 
Do you remember the one? There's a photo, and then there's me, and there's Joe, and and there's his brother, and there's my kids, and there's my youngest son with the gloomiest looking face. With oh from yeah, him takes a camera on me. I Send me that for the show images, please. Yeah, I will do. I will try and find that one. Yeah. Like he was great then. This is someone who actually, and I've heard him doing talk about shoot interviews. That his whole thing of it, he loved working all star. And he loved kind of doing all the family stuff and knowing how to get the audience reactions. And here he gets to do it on a grander scale to an audience who's very responsive to it. Mm. And I get why people wouldn't want to, to kind of be into this. But I think for me, I've, I've always had a soft spot for Juice Robinson, particularly because of the way he got into New Japan. Mm. And he took that risk, but he also went down that rung as well. And if COVID hadn't happened, you kind of wonder where he would have been at this point in time. He'd be coming into this with a bit more hype. It's hard to see him having any kind of a big tournament, mm. like really. But I don't think that's anything necessarily to do with him. I think that's more to do with the timing and the fact of what they want this tournament to achieve. That and the he doesn't season. seem to. Well, where does he really fit in? Mm. That's the real thing, isn't it? He's not in the tag division with David Finley. He's not kind of... It was the US title that was his thing, and that's something that kind of isn't around. And he's not living in... I'm assuming he's living in Japan. Right? He's been back he in the be US. Now, he wasn't yeah. on strong, but he'll be living in Japan. So it becomes a case of, like, you know, really with him, like, where does he kind of really fit within... Like I see where he fits on the card but within the greater scheme and all the interconnected storylines, he does feel kind of aimless. Mm, yeah, yeah. And for me, again, I just feel like he's miscast. He's in the wrong block. If he was in the A block, not not that he'd be the night off match, but he'd kind of be the lower end match. But he'd be having like these little low key bangers, wouldn't he? With with Ishii and Shingo and Osprey and the lads. Um, whereas in this block, there's nothing I'm particularly excited to see him do. Um, yeah, lost is a little bit with him. You, You've got to have people like this, though. You know, like I think mm. when the things were announced, and there was a lot of people who were disappointed about show not being in it or mm. Hiromu not being in it. But you need guys in there who can lose more that they yeah. can win and still get over with the crowd. And if you, if Hiromu and Show have been in there, they'd have had to lose more matches than they realistically should be doing at this stage of their development and career. And you, you, then people wouldn't be happy that they were, you know, that they were going you know, four and five or three and six or something like that. You know, so you know, I think. I think you, you know, as long as you've got these people that can turn turn up when they face each other, they can put on a three star match, they can raise the game when they're in there against someone better, and then lose to them, kind of thing. You know, that's what they're there for at the end of the day. And you know, I think both of these both of these guys can do that. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Like you said, somebody's got to lose, haven't they? Uh, and yeah, he's going to end up on like the the last day with six points or eight points probably six and he'll be fine won't he? he he can get away with it so yeah there's definitely that argument um speaking of which next match another guy who can do that yano and sonada um yeah thoughts on this one i didn't even rate it on grapple gareth i wouldn't want to sully your app um <laughs> for rating for this one <laughs> I don't even know where you start with this. Um, good bit of young boy action for you, JP, in there, but yeah, it was a, it was a comedy sketch, wasn't it? And another spoiler for the Pickhams. I've got Sonada not going the whole way, but being in contention on the last day. So I didn't expect it to see him uh, losing, uh, quote unquote, to Toriano on day one. Uh, but yeah, as far as people who have oh, attempted, did. did you? Oh, did you? Is that what you went with? There yeah. you go. Should just copy Joe Pickhams. Oh, yeah. lads. If- it felt like the kind of easy upset that you can do. And that, do you ever think with the Pickens, that's part of the issue is the first round you're really going, what's the upset? Yeah. 
Yeah. Now I didn't get the other upset right in terms of Zach and Evil, um, but this one it kind of felt like when he did the Paradise Lock, I went, "Oh, for fuck's sakes!" And I saw Yamura, and I thought, "You shouldn't be involved." But cheers, because you've kind of like at least balls this up, and the tying him up next to it, it was. It fulfills its place on the card, yeah. doesn't it? As I don't, a, I don't as a hate match, it. yeah. Two stars. They're never. I mean, like, it's a night off for Sonada, who, in my notes, said he has the look of a man who's so comatose that he loves a year off. Really, <laughs> by the look on his face. Um, so, like, he must have been honestly as happy as a pig in shit when he knew he was up against Yano. Doesn't have to do anything for another few days, and even then, I'm not sure he's going to push it out, but. I've got Sonata going to the final. Wow. It's just where you think his losses are going to be. Mm. And I I kind of feel like this is the one that makes him desperate on the last night because Evil will beat him. And I think that it's going to be between them two effectively for the block. And this is the, like kind of that's the way it fits into it. Two stars, relatively quick. Um, rolls of tape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, there's a lot. I don't. You see people out there who are just done with Yano and can't deal with him in the G1. I don't hate it. I just I know what it is, and it's you know, it's a break, I suppose. And you know, this was maybe for me on the low end of their creative Yano matches, but I'm sure he'll have some fun ideas going mm. forward. Uh, are you a fan, Steph, uh, of what he brings to these tournaments? And uh, were you shocked by the 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 finish in this one? I was shocked by the finish. I don't mind Yano and I don't mind him being in the tournament. Uh, I didn't rate this match either. Mm. And honestly, I think I closed my eyes a bit during it as well. <laughs> Considering the 6 a.m. start, I was like, oh, this is my nap as well as this. <laughs> but, you know, if, if we didn't have Yano in the G1, we would just have someone else doing something similar. Mm. You know, need those people in it. So it might as well be Yano. Yeah, that's it. Did you rate it guy? And they'd be worse at it than Yano as well, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's yeah. true. He is the best at what he does. How oh, about you, Gareth? Did you rate it? Yeah, I give it a 2.25. Um, and the average is like 2.24 on the app, which is lower than like last year. Yano averaged a 2.65. So that's the. Uh, <laughs> so it was below average on the Yano scale there for G1, so as far as it went. But, you Sonata know. Sonata like, bringing it down, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> exactly. The Sonata effect as it's, can, uh, as, as, as it's known. We, uh, but it was, uh, can we colour code like the comedy matches or like put an asterisk on it or something? I don't know. It feels just wrong. It's like the, um, the cinematic matches, isn't it? Like it just doesn't fit. That's where like the scale kind of. It, it just doesn't fit, does it? Can we add uh, genre to the scale? <laughs> Just while you're, while you're not busy, kind of, by the way, you know, that whole zero star thing. Can we talk about that too? No. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's just have a big Rubik's Cube scale there. You can just, uh, <laughs> it's color code. You can just reshape it any way you want to fit whatever you do. That's what Melter does these days, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, wow, true. heavy shots. But- <laughs> spiders from grapple. Um, it's um I like for me, like for me like I look at it though like this the scale and it comes boils down to like enjoyment like I've definitely like off the top of my head I don't I don't know but I think I've definitely given Yano matches like 3.75 in the past maybe even four and things like that because they've been so well executed from a comedy point of view or it's been something that you've unexpected unexpected and you know it's made you like genuinely laugh out loud or you've enjoyed it and things like that and to me that's what what it what it is from like a 
you know, you're rating that level of enjoyment for the, you know, style of wrestling that it is. And that's, you know, that's that's certainly the way that, that I see it. And I think the main thing that just jumped out to me was just the whole new Sonata look um, when he came uh, when he came out, for one. Like, I know a lot of people were focusing on his new little mask that he had on, but I was just looking at the fact that he had a haircut. And he was somebody who I used to think looked pretty cool when he had the old mohawk going on back mm. in the day. And then he changed it. And he, he had this kind of Ivy Tilsley off uh, Coronation Street look going on, one for our uh, older listeners there and then uh then he had that look where it just looked like it sellotaped some unboiled bags of super noodles to his head or something like that that he had going on there so his, his look lion was kind of, his look was kind of gradually deteriorating but now i think he's a he's had his hair cut properly there now so he looks uh looks a bit better i'm not sure about that mask i think but are you even a wrestler if you don't come to the ring wearing a mask these days there? That's what that's what I always think. One of these, it's got to be a dragon or it's got to be a cat or it's got to be a something kind of thing. So he's uh, getting on board there with his, his change of mask. And I think I was more bothered with uh, Sonada's uh, look than I was with the, the, <laughs> the overall match. I'm, I'm a bit undecided, especially coming off the back of that Juice Robinson one as well. I was thinking like, whoa, what's, you know, what's this? They're trying to change the goalpost a bit too much here on the, uh, on the, on the, on the look and feel. They're all bringing out their best new gear for the G1 or, or worst. <laughs> I don't know. He's a good-looking lad, Sonada. Am I wrong? I feel, I feel like he's, you know, he's been hard for these years. He, he, he just needs the right look to make that connect. I'm with you there, Gareth. That lion look? Yeah. That was the one. That was the one. Oh, he, he was cosplaying as a lion. Basically. <laughs> it's like, all right, seems to work for you. Crack at it, fella. Bring back the mohawk, that's what I say. <laughs> Go all the way back to his TNA look. That's what we want. Yeah, TNA Sonata. <laughs> Classic Sonata. Uh, but yeah, a match, I suppose, uh, if, if you can call it that, that was. But uh, up next, we had uh, Goto Kenta, which for me, you know, I, I'm just looking at my rating on Grapple. I gave it three and a half, but I really enjoyed this. I feel like maybe I even underrated it for my level of enjoyment um maybe it was low expectations going in the listeners will know i'm not the biggest goto fan in the world and kenta um the little bits i've seen from uh, the usa shows jp has uh not been the most dynamic um and he has his he has his very bad days at time and i was dreading this thinking we were getting more shenanigans but if anything it was just work like a a straight match where he kicked the shit out of goto a bit and goto gave as good as he got uh, perfect type of match for these two, really. They look like they're having their, uh, the time of their lives and they're doing it. Uh, Kenta kept going back for that armbar, which was kind of the uh, the story of the match in this one. And yeah, I thought it was a really solid, serviceable three and a half stars that maybe kind of remember Kenta's in this tournament. And, you know, on his day, Kenta can still go. Uh, and he's not a bit bad guy to have in there to to play spoiler and get a get a fair few points. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this one all in all. Uh, I'll go to you, Steph, first. Uh, where did you land on this one? I gave this one a three. I think it probably lost points because Goto was in it. And he, <laughs> he is my least favorite member of the New Japan roster. Oh, poor Goto. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a solid match, though. I, I still think Kenta can go um, when he's motivated and when he's not doing any shenanigans. And, yeah, it was a pretty good match, but nothing special either. It didn't fully wake me up either. Mm. It was an okay match considering Goto was in it. That's probably <laughs> as positive as I can be. Wow. I mean, the average on Grapple is 3.44, Gareth. Uh, were you anywhere near that? I was above that. I was three and a half. And to be honest, I was tickling 3.75 there. I was a bit Same. like in between. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved that story of the match with like, 
Kenta just like aggressively attacking his arm and shoulder and just yeah, just like systematically just like dismantling him kind of thing. Like Goto kept having these short little comebacks that were like a little bit of hope and then Kenta would just cut him down again and then just go back to the the, the shoulder again and whether it was you know it was using the ring post or kicking him or he was you know it was putting holds on or you know just different takedowns like little throws and things like that going back to that same body part like i really enjoyed it and like i like i like goto i'm like listening to you too like sliding <laughs> sliding goto off there mm. but i enjoy like, i i i think he's somebody who can he can always deliver a certain level of match with depending on his opponent and depending on what his, what his role is and I think he played the role that he needed to play here absolutely you know perfectly I think Kenta came out of it looking looking better Goto got pretty much very little offense he got pretty much destroyed across the piece but then um he didn't come out of it looking like a pure jobber or something you, you know mm. I think the I, I think the way the 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 match was set up and you know that when he's put in there with somebody better again, he's going to, you know, raise his game. You know, we saw him have four star matches last year with Shingo and with Ishii and, you know, even, you know, pulled a good match out of Jay White last year as well. And like 3.8 average. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, to, you know, totally, totally enjoyed this. I think it was coming back to the points that I was talking about of the things looking aggressive and real and things. And I, I felt like this, this had it more again, more so than a lot of other matches there. And I, I don't know, maybe this was a case of me being influenced by grapple a bit because I was kind of thinking 3.75 and then <laughs> I saw the average of 3.4. ish. You don't want to be that guy, do you? I, 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 I don't want to be like, looking like I'm going too, too high here kind of thing, but I don't know, maybe on a, on a rewatch, I, I, I maybe would go that high to be honest. Yeah. I think you made <clears> me talk <throat> me into it too. Were, were you with us, JP? Or are you more with Steph? I'm, three and a half mm. for this i i like goto in the sense that there's a kind of tragedy to goto in all of this like i've kind of come around like yeah there are lots of goto matches that are kind of nondescript but his is the kind of story of the kind of quiet disappointment of what could have been sounds like so this is like a kind of real tragedy i find to shakespearean it's, almost it is it is almost shakespearean of like Here's your chance. We're taking it away. And we're going to do this nine more times at various points over the years. Just fucking with his head like he's the Job of New Japan. But um, I, I get that, but I, that makes me think he's pathetic. Like, that's one of my main things I, that I don't like about him. To me, he's a pathetic figure that I can't take seriously as a man. Oh, wow. <laughs> In some way, that's... God, that's harsh. <laughs> Jesus, Jeff Cobb got fucking lightly compared to Goto, doesn't it? Um, I, I, I kind of, I don't know where to come back from that. I have nothing for that one. But it, it, like, I, I kind of enjoy Goto for the fact that he will always have good professional wrestling matches. And again, we talk about people you need on this card. He can do that with a lot. In that B block, he's kind of one of the workers really when you think about it mm. and he does always have one really good g1 match in him and at wrestle kingdom time his like his hit ratio for big matches is really strong and we kind of i think that sometimes gets forgotten about because it's a character deficiency isn't it in some ways if he if his character turned and he just exploded with rage and became an absolute killer it would make complete sense that he would just lose it now, I'm suggesting that's the direction you need to go down with it in order to get it in. And he just is incredibly bitter. 
about the things that happened to him over his career. That, for me, is an absolutely fascinating direction to go down and realising that his time is well and truly running out as well. And, sorry, it's got nothing to do with the match itself, but I liked how, in this match, it was the kind of match that I wanted Jay White to have the night before, Mm. where it's got that bit of bullshit, but ultimately, Kenta was a serious killer within that, and that worked. I don't want to see him wrestling matches over this kind of length, though. Mm. I think this might be as much as you can push him with a heavy workload as well. Um, but yeah. I thought for Kenny, it was a good start, but it's also coming into relatively low expectations, possibly. Like, even talking myself in, those New Japan strong matches were dull. They were boring. Mm. They really were. And you try to convince yourself, oh, this is all right. This is some good heel work and the rest. But you think, I'm falling asleep here. That's the sign isn't it? Yeah. If, if I'm glazing away and I'm like looking at my phone and trying not to nod off, then you kind of know that it's not connecting. And here it connected. Yeah. 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 And that's it. I'm glad he hasn't pulled that full character over here and he was just working pretty much a straight match. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, I feel like you've got to wrap Penta and Cotton Wool as well. Um, so, you know, let him get in there, kick some shit out of people and get him out of there and you'll get the best of Kenta in this tournament. Uh, I do think he can definitely uh, still fulfill a role doing that. But uh, up next, uh, we got uh, another um, Bullet Club laden interference match with Zack Sabre Jr. and Evil. And, uh, you know... A match where, if anything, Zack had to be like default babyface, which did actually give it like a bit of an interesting twist. I went three point two five on it, so that's two five more than I gave the uh, the Jay White version of this match. Uh, I think it was because I did enjoy Zack doing that, and actually, for the most part, getting you know from what you can hear, getting the crowd behind him as well. Uh, I think it made for an interesting story with you know Evil trying to cheat to win and and Zack Sabre being in there being it again like the trying to like trick evil and uh and pull out a victory in the more the more noble sense uh it's not exactly we've seen uh often in new japan so yeah i enjoyed that freshness to it but again for me dragged down by the the five minutes in the middle where we have to stop the match uh and again another coupon buster as well because i had evil for this one i feel like I've, i picked evil for a lot of his matches of this tournament i really felt like he was gonna have a strong tournament but you know an indication that zach's someone who's gonna grab a through wins as a as this tournament goes on. Uh, I'll go to you first, Steph. Uh, what did you uh, make of this one? I really like this one. I give it a three, and I think I've watched it four times since. Which oh, is wow. More, For a three-star <laughs> match, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think I liked it. I just more liked it than thought it was an amazing match. Okay, uh, but I thought it's a really good example of a heel versus heel match because I think I see evil as... Um, a bit of a he like he's not the most intelligent heel. He's the guy that just kicks guys in the dick. Whereas Zach is a bit more clever. So I think they worked it really well with uh kind of outsmarting evil. Um and I I did not expect Zach to win at all. But uh, I thought there was also there was too much interference, but overall it was enjoyable. And as previously stated, I really like Dick Togo a lot and <laughs> I I do think this is all eventually going to come down to Evil and Jay squaring off because Jay has that thing of being a smart heel about him as well um, whereas Evil really doesn't mm. 
Yeah, it's kind of a different cast, isn't it, for uh, for Evil? Um, where do you sit on with this one, Gareth? Uh, just looking, grapple, average three and a half. Uh, yeah, people seem to enjoy yeah. it at least. I think maybe we all have low expectations going in with Evil matches. Maybe that's that's part of the reason I gave this a bit higher than the Jay White match the night before. But I don't know. Where are you on this? I went three point two five. I mean, again, again, I enjoyed it. It was, um, you know, it was one of those where. It, I, I liked the little. I felt like sort of evil wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing Zach's game kind of thing. He wasn't the first. He wasn't getting like sucked into, you know, the reversals and things and just trying to keep a bit of distance and try and like wrestle his own match. But then ultimately getting caught into it. I liked the way that you know, as you've said there, like Zach ended up sort of having to play that sort of de facto baby face and like weirdly, I thought the crowd really got behind him, especially given how much like he's, you know, how much he's done you know from a heel perspective and things and thinking about his promos and stuff backstage over the last couple of years you know he he sort of very comfortably slipped into that role and and got the got the crowd behind him very easily which to me was just like a good indication of how good he is at what he does you know um from 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 that point of view um you know i thought i thought that worked quite well but yeah this was one where this was this was one where all my pickums it was yeah, I definitely didn't uh, didn't have Zach winning winning this one. You know, I, th- I think um, I think it's one where you thought Evil was getting off to the to the big start and probably going quite well in the in the tournament. It's one of them where I'm looking at some of the losses that I've put Evil down for, and then it you know in the coming weeks I'm thinking. Yeah, well, let's fuck that one and fuck that one as well, kind of thing, because he's lost here, sort of thing. Mm. You know, it's almost like you get one wrong and then it's like knackers you yeah. three or four times further down the line because of because your your thinking was clearly off. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was as good as you kind of think from Evil, and you know, I think looking at him, he averaged out three point six five last year, Evil. So it was pretty much kind of in and around that on the money is what he's what he's done in the past, and it's it's probably the the standard that we're going to get with him from quite a lot of. Uh, matches throughout this tournament I would have thought yeah definitely it gave good indication of we are getting more of this evil um, and I think for me this evil has got a ceiling um, where were you at it JP I was 3.25 as well mm. um, and I enjoyed it but I also think it's the fact it was half the length of what other evil matches have been that we've seen when he's had this new character and mm. that does make a difference like at the beginning there was a bit of a pace to it I thought even when they were brawling on the outside, I was quite grateful for that. And Zach seemed to really be working. And like, um, and he was, you know, he worked well as the underdog. And I think where this would fit is if Evil was, say, Intercontinental Champion, you'd be setting up then a match between them down the road for that. And I think that's where the IC belt would kind of work. And I think Zach should, he really should be in that figure. That's because, like, Clearly, they they're keen on they're keen on using him. I wanted to make a point about Evil though, as opposed to Kenta or Jay White or even Juice Robinson. When it came to interaction with the crowd, he just kind of didn't seem to do anything. And I know he's not de- deliberately trying to kind of elicit kind of booze or anything else, but he, to me, he looked kind of clueless. Yeah, and like that's a worrying thing at this point because when he was on top, it noticeably quietened down at points when he would stand up like as if he was trying to get booze from them or something else or something from them there was none of that and i think that's something you know ghetto was really good at kind of getting that kind of easy heat as well and dick togo isn't going to be familiar with the role sorry steph but like necessarily of playing like kind of having to kind of g up the crowd as well i mean i think that's like 
that's the thing I find kind of worrying that this again might be one of the more bigger high points of the evil run than this. It was also the thing that fucked up. It was the one thing I got wrong over the two nights. Oh, so I did slightly sulk afterwards <laughs> as well. And I did find myself invested in the closing stretch, but when he got in, when he got in that pinfall, I went, "Oh, for fuck's sakes!" And like, <laughs> so I was awake, which was, you know, Akada Ibushi had nearly taken me out, but this one didn't. And I would have predicted on a sleeping scale. Sorry, if we're going to sort of ratio for that, it would have been certainly sort of closer to the lower end of falling asleep, just because that little bit of emotional investment. <laughs> There you go. You got WH with his uh, sandwich scale. John and Way have got their uh, their coffee scale. Yeah. JP's got the whether you're going to fall asleep or not scale. I like it. It's good. Yeah. We'll start. There you go. Third idea for an app. Grapple. We've got Greggle. We've got JP. Sleeple. 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 There we go. How, how do you rank that sleep? Brilliant. Cracking sleep. Great dream. Yeah. No, no stiff neck. Four and a half stars. Oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> I suppose we'll, uh, the main event. Yeah, we'll move on. Uh, we'll be playing. I think one thing I would say on Evil is 3.25 like feels generous for me, and I do feel like the deeper we get into this tournament, the more my my Evil my my rating on the on the Sleeple scale is going to go up, and my rating on the Grapple scale is going to go down because uh, that is just a, a man who does not connect with me in any way. Uh, but I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, as you said, JP, up next we had our main event and. I thought nothing was going to top uh, Ishii Suzuki for me personally this weekend. Uh, in a way, I kind of, Ishii Suzuki was... It was a very particular match that I think is very watchable. And I feel like, you know, you could watch a million times over and get the same level of enjoyment out of But I do feel like, I don't know, but artistically or story-wise, I feel like this main event just about had it pipped. Uh, Tanahashi and Naito. I went through 4.25 on Grapple. It was mainly, again, Naito's not somebody I'm a huge fan of, but Tanashi, just my god, this was this was a reminder of how good this wrestler is. Like because he did that story with Okada where he was like, you know, the Asian ace, and obviously, you know, he got the big win where, you know, Okada goes off in tears and showed that he still had it. And then if anything, I feel like the ace thing was almost, you know, an older wrestler trying to cling to his former glory, and he made it out like he was this older wrestler on the verge of retirement, and you know, Okada was the next ace. I don't know, I think we had four years of Tanner as the ace like because of the way he's cast you forget him you know when you talk about like the best wrestler in the world like you don't often talk about Tanahashi and he's still up there he's still so fucking good and this was like watching him turn the clock back like especially those first five minutes where he's hitting like the high fly flow to the floor which I think he retired at one point um and just going for it and acting like a you know in his pump Hiroshi Tanahashi uh he's he's the absolute master of you know these shows in front of fan in front of fans who can't cheer. He's getting that reaction out of them still. Like I say, there was a couple of moments where it felt like the the audience who were trying really hard not to cheer, kind of couple of audible gasps. It felt like on on some of the near falls here. That's how much they were buying into Tanahashi in this match. And yeah, it was just pure emotion. Great story. Naito was very good for his part in the match as well. And, you know, grapple average is 4.42. So, you know, as much as I enjoyed it, there were people who enjoyed it even more. Um, where did you go on this one, uh, Steph? And would you would you say it was uh, equal standard to uh, the match of the night on night one, uh, Suzuki and, uh, and Ishii? Or would you say it, uh, it eclipsed it on this, uh, this second night? 
Um, I think it was probably technically a better match, but if I had to pick one to watch again, I'd watch the Suzuki one again. Mm. But yeah, I do think it's probably technically I went four point two five on it, mm. which is um uh, yeah higher than what I went in the Suzuki match. But yeah, it was brilliant. It was just Tana being, you know, like showing um, Ibushi that he's still got so much left in him, mm. like really mm. just pulling out a great match. And I think it was unexpectedly great as well for a lot of people um, and I'm not a big fan of Naito either I find him quite just uh, boring but <laughs> Tana really pulled out of him and you do forget how great Tana is and he's someone that you just kind of overlook because yeah they do tell the story of him where I mean the guy's only 43 yeah. they make it up like he's no age yeah, you know, <laughs> if Tom was in WWE. He'd be one of the young guys. <laughs> you, could, you could get an NXT contract still. <laughs> Absolutely, they make him go to NXT for another ten years just to make sure he's right for telly. Like, um, so it yeah, it always makes me laugh how they act like he's um you know broken down or whatever. But you know, he's forty three and he can still just pull out like such amazing performances. That was a really cracking into the first two nights of the G1. I think he, 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 he like works that to his kind of benefit as well, though, doesn't he? Because how many G1s have we seen where it's like, oh, you know what, lads, my knee's falling off. I don't think I can go, you know? And then we get that story through the G1 or, you know, my arm's about to fall off. And yeah, he's a he's just a worker, isn't he? That's what, what Tanner is. Uh, I absolutely love him. And yeah, I'm with you on that. Where, where did you go on it, Gareth? Was it, was it your match of the weekend as well? I went 4.25, so it was the same as Suzuki Ishii. I would, I would the same as Steph there, probably, and the, the other one just tips it for me. Like, I would I would definitely go back and watch Ishii Suzuki more than, than, than I would go back to this. But it was, it, it, I mean, it, it, it was just class, wasn't it? It was just mm. absolute pure class. It was just Tanahashi just showing everything about him that, that's just so great from a in-ring storytelling point of view from a crowd engagement point of view and just like really you know it felt like a genuine main event whereas when you compared it to the night before with Akada and Nabushi sent me to sleep like this one I was genuinely on edge kind of thing and there was like there was spots where I think it was like the Hurricane Rana from the top rope where there was like the, the near fall from like the, the roll through there and then soon after there was that like Texas Cloverleaf spot that was fucking great like it was it, you know really building into that submission and it just it was one of them where it just had me just pure engaged in the match and I just I wasn't thinking about the app and I wasn't thinking about like notes for this podcast or anything like <laughs> that I was just absolutely just totally in, in, engaged in, in, in what it does and just this whole thing of especially when you've you've sort of been following the recent Ibushi storyline and seeing like Tanahashi not been able to deliver in the previous weeks and things like that or recent weeks and months and then coming on this occasion and it's like okay I'm it's the G1 I'm going to prove that I can still hang and he's pulling things out there like the high five flow to the outside and things like that he's he's really going he's going to everything to kind of show that he's still at that top elite level and then you know like desperately showing that he can still hang but ultimately not winning in the end kind of thing it was just a great little kind you know just a just a great little telling of that that, that story there and again it was probably one of those for me where if you add that in between the two, 4.25 and 4.5 it probably fell there 
somewhere in between that for me and then you know the average average is now at 4.42 kind of shows that it's sort of almost like sat there with the masses really as well as, as as well really that it was kind of somewhere in that bracket i think one of the things i think with with the rate of matches and certainly with the g1 as well is I don't know. It's just a personal thing, but you almost don't want to go too big too soon because I'm kind of yeah. almost thinking they're they're like, yeah, they were really good matches and they were significantly better matches than we've seen in recent weeks and months with a lot of the like no crowd shows that we've had and definitely obviously better than some of the matches on these cards. But I'm still thinking actually there's some of these guys here they've got the time and the mileage to you know the to go even better so i don't want to be throwing out four and a half 4.75 zero and i know there's things that are probably going to surpass it with a bit more time and a bit more story development as the as, as the tournament goes on but i thought that was that that was really good and when you when you looked at it last year the best match of the opening weekend um last year was tanahashi okada so again that was at 4.24 so this one coming in higher than the best match of, of last year's g1 and again it's it's tanahashi pulling out the, the the first weekend banger really there so again just showing his consistency at the at the top end even still at the at that terribly old age of 43 <laughs> <laughs> no age as a jp no not at all um completely agree with what's been said as well. That is no age at all, Mike. I completely <laughs> reiterate that point. And he looks in incredible shape. Yeah. He really did, Tanner. He looked he looked young. Um and there's so many sort of layers to it. I mean I of the two I mean I went four point two five with this. I ummed and odd, I've seen it twice. I thought I'd settle on that. And it's partly Gareth and you've kind of summed it up well there. The idea that um there's bigger stuff to come and you don't you want to keep your powder dry yeah um but at the same time there was just some lovely moments in it like when he did the high fly flow to the outside it's the fact of the grimace afterward he pulls because he knows how much it hurts him and he's still wanting to do that kind of big stuff which is all part of this kind of like overall fall of the ace story that we're kind of seeing with tanahashi where he's trying to hold on to these kind of former glories um that Texas Cloverleaf sequence was something that you'd want to show wrestlers how to work a submission spot in the ring for like 90 odd seconds because I was completely gripped during that. The way they did it, just the facials, the holding it back, it was just done better than usual. Just like Tanner struggled trying to hold it in, a particularly brutal version, and I really enjoyed that. I could also say as well, Yota Suji slapping the mat, mentioned it earlier on. He started doing that, and the crowd started really getting into that. Mm. And there was a point when Naito came away to kick away the ropes, to tell him not to do it. These young boys are getting a bit of attitude, like Yamura getting involved in the Yano Sonada match. But I was quite grateful for that, like I said earlier. Um, there was just Tanahashi getting the kind of best out of Naito, and it reminded me of that dome match they had, which I, I thought was absolutely great. That was the one. Uh, the same year as Akada Omega, and it always gets kind of lost in the shuffle with that one. Um, but I, um, yeah, th- there was just this kind of urgency and it was like a throwback callback for both of them back to times when as younger men, they'd have been able athletically to be able to kind of live up to this sort of performance. And they did here. Um, it was and like the urgency of Tanahashi between, you know, between spots. There was, there was just stuff from this that was just absolutely loving throughout this. And it, felt like a classic g1 opening match it deserved to be like kind of you like your closing thought of the last two days mm. and it made you feel good overall about the card 
And this B block is going to be touch and go at the best of times. So I'm very grateful to have a B block show where I've come away going, do you know what? I kind of enjoyed something from all of those matches. Mm. And that's and that's something really to be taken away. And I have a feeling we're not going to be saying that on all of these shows. No, no, that's it. And yeah, I'd echo your thoughts on that main event as well. It was everything Okada Ibushi wasn't. It was what I wanted that to be. You know, that big opening weekend memorable match. This is the one. Yeah, we'll be got. We'll be. I, I can't see it being when we do our top ten matches of the year at the end of the year. I can't see it being in my top ten, but. You know, it'll come to mind. It'll be on the shortlist. Mm. You know, it'll be there or thereabouts, uh, along with Suzuki Ishii. And if yeah, one open weekend gives us anything, it's uh, it's given us that. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, obviously the only other thing to mention uh, from G1, and uh, we'll do a quick uh, bit on AW in a second, is just to say on the uh, the Pickums, as I mentioned earlier, JP, you're probably the the main thing to mention here in joint third on Voices of Wrestling. You always mm. you always start strong in these things, mate. You always uh, get yeah. out the gate well, you know, uh, kicking everyone else's ass here at the moment. We saw this last weekend with Fantasy League, so mm. it's of absolutely no surprise that I come out doing all right after the first two days. It's going to go to shit, <laughs> and the B block is, I think, primarily where it's going to be happening. Mm. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of fun while it lasts, um, and it won't last very long. I expect mid-table obscurity by the end of it. Um, <laughs> I was meant to enter the post one, which had a deadline, I think, of like midnight on the Friday. Yeah, I, I fell asleep you. on the... Fell asleep on the sofa, mate. I was fucking oh. gut arse up for fuck's sakes. Right, so I did the voices one. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm yeah. in both because I'm a cheat. Uh, and I've gone, like, in uh, in post, I've tried to do, like, my serious picks, thinking that's going to, you know, that that's the one. I, w- I want to hear John Pollock read my name out in the, uh, in the all-important C-block standings, and I'll take this really seriously. And basically, I'm second from bottom right now, only uh, being propped up by WH Park uh, in the C-block <laughs> out of the uh, the post-wrestling correspondence. I'm somewhere Isn't Rando bot Rand- Yeah, so ran- the random picks is actually top uh, of that c-block which just tells you everything uh about the pickums uh have you managed to have a look steph i know you uh you threw some uh some choices in uh last minute on uh on friday night as well uh, i did um i'm on six points uh on post uh, i was doing really well <laughs> i felt like i was doing really well the first day because the only one i got wrong was tai chi because i did predict coda um, and then the second day, I don't think I did that great. I know I definitely got the evil one wrong. Mm. So I had one day of thinking, oh, maybe I'll do great. But no, I, I really doubt it. Yeah, a few spoilers there. Gareth, you're in the voices one, aren't you? I am, yeah, yeah. I'm in the, in the voices. I'm, I'm running at 50% at the minute, five points. Um, I think I... I I did really well in it last year, and I just kind of just went off intuition, whereas this year I just put far too much thought into it, and I was looking at, like, oh, how many matches have they had in the past, and who won when they faced each other last time and things, <laughs> and I was trying to, like, like really almost, like, scientifically think about it and go a bit too deep on some of these things, and, like, that's clearly come back to bite me on the ass. so I think uh, next year I'll be going with the, uh, yeah, just go with your intuition, and uh, let's don't put too much thought into it, really, but I think uh, I think it's the whole thing of you build these little stories that you think Ghetto's going to 
tell kind of thing. And then you start to believe your own, you start to believe, yeah, yeah, the stories that I think is going to tell other stories. And then, and then when they don't go that way, it's like, it's clearly him that's in the wrong, not me. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's always good. It's a, yeah. Like I think I thought Sue Suit Williams say that today as well. Like, yeah, we're all, we're all booking it right. It's together. It's getting it wrong. Um, yeah. I think, you know what? My, no- my, my two final, my two final days, the, oh, the, the look cracking kind of thing. They're clearly not going to happen now, but <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like, um, you know, like the difference between playing fancy football now and like, remember when you used to like do all your picks at the start of the season and then send it off to the local paper and like the, the, the and the, the, and you'd just never be able to change your team and by like the last week you'd have like 11 players who aren't playing anymore that's what it's like what we need is like live pickings i feel like you know that could there could be an opening there for uh for, for that kind of league maybe we need to uh pour our heads together over the next uh, 365 days like get on to uni bit mate there you go yeah i didn't put any bets on yeah. in the end i was a coward i didn't put my money where my mouth is well uh, oh yeah. is there uh that's it but yeah i'll also mention as well i, I just because the uh, the table of uh, is updated as well as far as the uh the fancy football league uh at the moment it is uh brit uh brit rev round tables or if that uh, exists anymore rob reed who's uh who's top of that thing now he's number one and poor Stephen louch has uh crawled his way from uh from bottom place and uh and carl gack is uh rock bottom at 143 <laughs> there you go I, i'm just happy for steven he's uh he's managed to uh to get himself back up and going but um yeah with all the fantasy stuff out the way and probably got about maybe 15 minutes or so um so obviously i think we'll come back to uh to to aw at a time in the future but we couldn't let this show go without having a, a at least a brief discussion uh on this week's dynamite and particularly um gareth i'll go to you first uh our mate Dave Notta gave uh, gave a match five stars this week from uh, <laughs> from AEW's TV. Uh, don't know what he was watching. I really enjoyed it. It was a great, great brawl. Uh, five stars feels strong, but I don't know on the grapple scale. What's that? Three point seven five. Is that is that the uh, is that the exchange rate at this? Three point seven five. That's all it is. Like so, you know, I don't think it's outrageous that he gave that. Gave that a three point seven five, really? Is it? You know, at the end of the, it's not like he gave it seven. You know, he didn't. Uh, he didn't go to the top of his scale. It was. Uh, it was somewhere seventy percent of the way along his scale, along along those lines. So I don't know why everyone's going so mad about it. You know, three point three point seven five seems perfectly uh, perfectly justifiable as far, as far as I'm concerned. And then you look at the grapple users; it comes out an average of four point two eight. So you know, even slightly higher than Dave. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> See, he's the low man. <laughs> yeah. Low man on AEW, Dave. <laughs> I just can't get over that Chuck Taylor has a five-star Melter match. Like if that, it's just, I like Chuck Taylor as and, well. It just doesn't and seem Daniel right. Bryan does. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's... Uh... I suppose it's one man's opinion, as Gareth will always say. Uh, but I don't know. I don't want to take away from it too much. I did really enjoy it, and I thought it uh, it did cap off a, a really good episode of Dynamite. I knew you were uh, you were high on this one, Steph. Yeah, I really liked this um, match a lot. Uh, I wouldn't give it five stars though. Uh, maybe maybe a three point five or three point seven five. But I I just was thinking that it was just a great example of how. Um, if you do it well enough, you can just make a feud out of anything. Like this, these two teams, um, one team offended another guy's mum, and it's led to this. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought the whole thing um, was so well done. Like, you know, some weeks I wasn't sure where this feud was going, but now that it's ended with this, and then the wonderful parting shot of Sue giving the finger at the end, it was just... 
it was just great. I I thought it was a really good example of like good storyline. Like when they tell a story well, you can really just do anything. I'd, I'm not sure that WWE would ever have the the confidence to play something like this out so well. Um, mm. It's good, but overall, a really good episode of Dynamite as well. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't to be honest, like. I wasn't really a fan of this feud. Like there was just, it was just kind of weird comedy, and it just didn't really land for me. And then they had this match, JP. Like it was like this, you know, hard, like nosed Memphis, like heated blood feud, like right through. Like like mm. Steph said, there. The, I feel like the uh, the sum of the parts was, you know, was was greater. Uh, sorry, was lesser than what we actually got uh, for this uh, this final blow off match. But you know, uh, I can't really complain about those things with the story if it if it leads to some as good as this and uh, I liked it. like Steph said it was a, a great way to cop up to, to cap off what was another great tape dynamite episode as well not even a live one these uh these tape ones always as much as I hate the crowd noise always seem to be just be that much better as well mm. yeah um I thought this this was a, this was a better episode definitely and this match um it's like what you said a second ago Steph it's just like kind of making the most out of something that just really shouldn't work mm. I mean Especially, you know, you think yeah, it's a storyline over like your mum, basically. If that could be defined as a wrestling feud motivation, <laughs> you're mad, lad. Somebody, yeah, somebody, <laughs> that's it. Just go, goes from there. Classic schoolyard stuff. Um, and it was violent. I was just shocked by how violent it was from the start. I was like, Jesus Christ, because mm. I, I just kind of assumed I'd gloss over it, and I was like shocked by how violent it was and mm. they were all just going absolutely hell for leather and it was nasty i mean i think some of the like kind of some of the hard way kind of blood coming from like the back of the arm and the rest of it was just particularly brutal and it was good because they can go back to it in the future and there's a reason why these two teams will hate each other for for quite some time and it it was something that kind of it was like a nice way to close off that feud for the time being. It felt like a nice kind of finale to it, even though a lot of it, like you say, wouldn't have really hit me on many levels. I mean, I kind of like the original thing of them smashing up like the van and it was like, Christ, this is dragging on for a bit. But they, I think they turned it around with this. And overall, what are we going to remember out of this feud? Mm. Probably this match. Mm. Like, that's the thing. And if that's your takeaway, then it's done its job, hasn't it? Yeah. Totally. But five stars. No, I went four stars for it. Yeah, I went three point so, seven five, and I didn't even think of it a second thought. Like, and I wouldn't even consider going over four. I, I thought you'd have been well. You've you've got a great track record of going full five on Ortiz and Santana. So I thought you'd be. Uh... <laughs> hey, that was four point seven five. I'll have you know. <laughs> I do love the lads, though. You know, not just when I'm drunk or in a Progress Manchester show. They, you know, they've shown this kind of creativity before and impact. You know, I'm just trying to babyface you here by putting over impact. Uh, yeah, I'll never live that there four point seven five time, will I? <laughs> I just want to say thank God they just did a fucking street fight thing instead of trying to make it into some kind of cinematic bullshit like that out um, of Velveteen Dream crap. Like, yeah. I'm glad it was just literally a parking lot um, fight. Yeah, it was, and it was messy, wasn't mm. it? It was a beautiful mess and it needed to be like, that's what a street fight kind of should look like. Shouldn't mm. it? If you're going to have that around those cars, that's what it should be really with no bullshit. And they did that. And, and it was kind of refreshing for it. It was just like a kind of hate-filled brawl that totally. was a complete mess, but like all the better for it. 
Yeah, and we joked about it, but it shows how underutilized Santana and Ortiz are because for me, as much as I love Penta and Phoenix and Impact, Santana and Ortiz were a real highlight of that show for a while. And they had matches like this with uh, Homicide and Hernandez when they did the uh, that great LX food over Richie. Um, and they had the great matches with Penta and Phoenix as well. They've got this in the locker and they can be a you know a main event level tag team as well. So yeah, I kind of hope we get, we get more of this out of them as well going forward. Maybe it's just me, but does anyone else get a vibe of Santana as a singles guy kind of look about him at some point? I could say it, yeah. Maybe it's just me, but mm. I I think there's something there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, both of them could have decent little singles runs. Mm. I think I'd be into that. Um I don't know. Gareth, do you have any more highlights on this show as an overall, as Steph said before? And as I said, it did feel like a, a big episode of Dynamite as far as one of the uh, the stronger ones uh in, in recent times. Yeah, definitely. It was just like another show where you just came away from it at the end, just thinking like, yep, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And, you know, there was like highlights along the way. And, you know, it was definitely another like positive tick in the box for, for AEW. I think looking at the way that they just set some other stuff up as well, like I loved them getting Will Hobbs involved with um, with um, John Moxley. I just thought like that guy has just looked as impressive on Dark and things over the last few weeks. We talked positively about him from from All Out when we did that review, and then just putting that guy in that mix to go into this match and this feud is just like what a better setting for him, just for somebody um, somebody with that potential to you, you know just just put a bit of limelight on him and show that he's like a, a credible act and. You know, it's it's somebody that we are going to build towards going forward, and like no better guy to put him alongside, I, I think, than than Moxley at the at, at this particular time. You know, it just gives him that instant bit of instant bit of credibility towards him. You know that Moxley's very giving in the way that he works with other people when he's you know he's put into this sort of situation. Obviously, everyone's going to you know you look back to the showroom and stuff and things like that that he did. But you know I think in the way that he's worked with Darby Allen in in recent weeks as well, and I think Will Will Hobbs getting that, I think it's definitely going to be something that's going to going to come across really uh, re- really positive there as well and. Um, I think the other thing that just sort of stood out for me on this show was, again, was just like Thunder Rosa been 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 back and just um, you know again having. I know there's a lot of like talk on Twitter online about you know obviously Eva Lee and some of their antics in this match, but again it just put across to me how you know how good Thunder Rosa is and you know how what a positive addition she is to their to their roster and I think as people like bag AW for their. Um, I suppose the the setting that they've given women's wrestling so far again, it's just some somebody that's you know they're clearly clearly behind, and you know I don't know what the contractual situation is behind it as well, but she's someone who's just going to like add massive value going there. You know they're clearly setting up further stuff down the line um, um, with with with. Um, with with her going after the belt again and things like that, so yeah, like those are the two two things that really really jumped out for me. Um, I think Nero was a bit quieter this week than mm. than, than the week before, but um, but yeah, all in all, all in all, good show. Definitely. Uh, any other thoughts from you, on JP? I know you're a big Will Hobbs guy. Big Will Hobbs guy. Happy to see him in there. Mm. Um, and about Thunder Rose as well, just something to add. I listened to her and talk is Jericho. This mm. week, and she was it was really good value listening to her, and I kind of enjoyed she she lays it in stiff, doesn't she? When she works, doesn't fuck about, and like it's great. And I really enjoyed the Serena D match, and obviously the Ikara Shida match. So any more of her on Wednesday nights is is like 
really a good, really good thing. Mm, definitely. And uh, as I, you know, I probably should say to, to you, Steph, seeing as we're J- JP just mentioned Jericho there, uh, more Jericho tag action on the show. I know you're uh, you're a fan of that. Yeah, I'm I'm fully behind the Jericho Hager tag team run. I, I think it's going to be pretty good. And I thought that was a really good match that they had. Um, it was just kind of, uh, I think the parking lot, you know that ended up being the highlight of the show but that was a really good tag team match kind of just buried in there as well mm. and he laid out Matt Hardy at the beginning so <laughs> I did not expect the show to start with Matt Hardy like lying on the ground after everything that happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a choice yeah Yeah. <laughs> did they need to do that really yeah <laughs> Uh, that's it. Maybe yeah. one negative there, but overall, a home run of a show, like like you've all said. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really, for me, big highlight of the show was just you know the fact that they're putting the work in with this tag division and they continue to, and that was the highlight of the show. And it was from the opener, you know, with Jurassic Express and FTR having a really solid little FTR match. Uh, probably my favourite match of theirs in the company so far. To be honest, not that they've they've killed it at any point, but just a really solid tag TV match. And then, like we said, going off the air with that that killer main event. Uh, that is a real real strength of AEW right now. And yeah, let's hope uh, when they go back to a uh, to another live show on Wednesday, we uh, we get more of that stuff and we follow up more because again, killed NXT in the ratings again. Would love really. I mean, that one million show we saw like I, I just feel like aw needs to be on its own night like i know it would be like probably cowardly to to skate off to thursdays and nxt would probably follow them over but i don't know i'd be considering at this point uh because they are on a real roll and it is a shame the little uh the little chunk that nxt takes out of their ratings but i don't know i believe that was a good show as well this week i haven't seen it i don't know if any of you guys have seen it but i was told that was a good show no nxt fans in the house now no, no. <laughs> not us. No. Wow, that sells everything, doesn't it? <laughs> Apparently, it was good. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was told. Okay, uh, not us. The thing is, with what you're saying, though, there, Benno, about like if they move to the to their own day, it wouldn't look cowardly because obviously they've they've absolutely trounced NXT completely. They've broke that million, and you'd almost, you, God, you'd push it as like, okay, like we're moving now because we're like we're coming after you, Raw, or something like that. You know, kind of thing. That'd be the, very much the way I'd be going at it. It's like. Yeah, yeah. NXT is the, the the small fish. We want to, you know, we want to establish ourselves as the number one wrestling show now. Over the next, this is our first year under the belt. Year two, you know, you're declining, we're growing, we're coming for you, kind of thing. And I think that'd be such a positive message for them to to put out there. And you know, as long as they keep delivering, which, you know, in the vast majority of instances they do do on a you know weekly weekly basis, you come away from watching the show thinking, yeah, yeah that's that's good. The roster's building, they're bringing people back who um, they've, they've been able to because of like lockdown and things like that. You know, characters becoming more and more established, like your younger end talent that are getting, obviously, your, your MJFs, your Jungle Boys, your Darby Allens and things like that, who they've slowly been turning over into stars. So then you're going to have this like fresh product that can go out there to more people and while well, everyone's you know down on Raw, like, like why not? And I think that if you think about the sort of person, business person that Tony Khan is, that's got to be his mindset. He's not going to sit there and just sell for second best and just be beating NXT week in, week out in the in the ratings. He, he'll want to be the number one wrestling show out there. And, you know, I think they can, you know, by making positive moves like that, they can, they can do it. Absolutely. And Raw's within reach. It's not that far away. Uh, it's definitely, definitely possible. Um, yeah, I suppose... Uh, probably again we'll hopefully go into a bit more detail on AEW coming up it's going to be a busy 
busy G1 season. Uh, I know, JP, you've been chomping at the bit as well. You've been watching a little bit of, is it all Japan you've been watching as well? Um, a little bit of the yeah. N1 too. Uh, bit of we're... that. Going to have a look at a bit of N1. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not this week. not throwing it in now. And mm-hmm. potentially, I mean, he's trying to fit it in, but maybe some aspects of the Stardom, Stardom five-star Grand Prix. And I'm basically going entirely by the app. Mm. And there's been a, a a few things around around the four star variety that that look like it's it's well worth going to watch. I haven't looked at anything to do with the final, mm. just as not to be kind of spoilt by it or anything else. So yeah, it's just trying to see how those tournament seasons wrap up. Mm. The, I, I'm not holding too much hope for the rest of the Champions Carnival, to be honest. I'm just hoping, fingers crossed, that like. We have at least a couple of good matches in there. That would be that would be great. <laughs> be a start, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be that. a start. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Um, anything to plug then, JP? Obviously, you mentioned earlier that there's uh, going to be a roundtable coming, but in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, in a couple of weeks, doing that. Uh, I think really at the moment, it's more that we're going to be kind of keeping on top of G one stuff here, um, making sure that. You know, there'll be the odd show towards the end of a week, possibly as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so just keep on that, keep rating on the app. Sorry, Gareth, I've, I've stolen your plug, mate. Plug <laughs> <laughs> away, plug away. Uh, yeah, and just just keep rating. Join the conversation. There you go. <laughs> and then and then maybe on Sleeple, if you've had a good sleep, like you know, afterwards, go on that, then go to Greggle, download that, and then get a Greg's in. Maybe <laughs> Icelandal and get a couple of chicken Kievs. <laughs> Oh, these ideas, Gareth. That's what we need to. That's what needs to be next uh, with this. But license to print money. This is like black. This is like Black Mirror, though, isn't it? Rate right, everything. Yeah, that's the future, it is, isn't it? Be a great episode, that actually. Yeah. Um, as he so, left, I you think know. the pandemic felt Black Mirror enough, really, at this point. I think the apps you might just just cherry on the top of the dystopian future that we live in. <laughs> Very true, uh, Gareth. As he left, you anything to plug? I don't think so. I think, yeah, just download the app. Um, enjoy that uh, 0.25 to 5 star rating that's in there and <laughs> use that full scale to your full extent. There's lots of different points there in between 0.25 and 5 that you can be you using along the way with those 0.25 increments. Uh, if, uh, if you, if you want to give something a note, just give it a 0.25. It's the, it's the bottom end of the scale. Maths, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, uh, obviously you've been uh, you've been very very busy lately, uh, as well as appearing on Rev Pro and uh, your interviews and the like. Uh, what would you like to plug for us today? Um, subscribe to my YouTube, Stephanie Chase Wrestling. I should have a video up this week, um, an interview, and um, go on my Instagram and see my Dick Togo inspired uh, look, <laughs> which has already had a like from Dick Togo himself. So it's a <laughs> wow worth his weight in gold that the uh the dick togo life can't argue with that uh, any yeah. chance you could message him and just say calm down on the interference Do it <laughs> one watch from the match you're in your early 50s man you don't need to get involved uh, i wanted him in the g1 to be honest that's what i wanted me too <laughs> You could eat some losses, yeah. There's, there's money in that. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Follow Steph. Follow Dick Togo as well. Yeah, is, he, is he at Dick Togo on Instagram? Is that his, uh, is that his account? Follow him there. Oh, you can see him posing with a koala. You can see him posing with um, a Winnie the Pooh toy. You can see him posing with um, Paddington. in a Paddington car. car. Uh, yeah. Not all at the same time, obviously. <laughs> no, no, no. He's got uh, many different photos. <laughs> 
He's just fucking about, isn't he? <laughs> well, sounds of it. Great life. He's having. He's a got his, He's got a very average-looking hot dog photo on his uh, Instagram. This doesn't look the best. I haven't translated it, but I don't know if he's waxing lyrical about this hot dog or or not. But uh, hot dog. Yeah, there you go. There's ambivalent. <laughs> hot doggle. <laughs> doggle sounds like something else. Let's uh, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, everyone, uh, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Uh, thanks to Gareth last week, I hit the uh, the Magic Two Thousand number, and then I bragged about it on Twitter. And promptly, we made Tom unfollow me and hit me at one thousand nine hundred ninety nine. That's what I get for bragging. Uh, back over the two thousand here, hello. So thanks, everyone. Uh, follow the Grapple app uh, at Grapple app, and yeah, as we said, we'll be uh, following this G One season closely. So yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, the second week of action. Just three shows this week, lads. So uh, not not too bad uh, there's going to be some weeks where it's going to be really tough so we might uh, throw the odd bonus show in there somewhere as well but we'll uh, we'll keep you updated with all of that but for us for another week that's it we'll see you again next monday with more bye, bye. see ya I think we can laugh at AIDS. That's all. That's that's where I ultimately stand on it. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.